name is on uh, 92FM tonight. It feels like a nice, clean little band. Oh, no, isn't it? Price is right. I like the idea that a voice can just go somewhere. Uninvited. Dirty thoughts and nice, clean minds. Guess who? It's me again. It's five o'clock. Do you care what the mainstream media says? What's up, fam? You out there? You listening? Coming to you live from Central Wisconsin, where you're looking live at the Foxhole.app. Good to see you guys out there. I hope you guys had a great weekend. It is uh, the last day in May already, man. Holy crap. Uh, lots to get to today. Obviously, we've got to talk about the Sussman stuff. Um, you know, a couple of good articles out there I want to read for you guys. Um, there's also a lot of good stuff out there today from Cheryl Atkinson. Uh, there's an interesting study about, uh, homeless in California. Last Refuge has a great article out there today. Sundance, DHS, and Intel community media outlets proactively moved to defend Dominion voting systems. Seen a lot of that. In fact, there was uh, several articles from CNN this weekend with regards to Dominion. So well, something's coming on, on Dominion here pretty soon. Uh, World Health Organization in the news. Uh, what else is what else do I have here? Military email about the Pfizer jab, um, and a bunch of other interesting stuff too as well. Uh, going on at five o'clock today, uh, five my time, six Eastern, um, at three <laughs> what Pacific? I guess in Arizona, the True the Vote presentation is happening today in about an hour. So we're gonna go. We're definitely going to uh, cover that. So as soon as that goes live. We will kick over to that presentation and get that on the record for you guys. I believe that's uh, right at the 5 Eastern, so about an hour for that. So uh, lots to get to today, a quick hour of just trying to get through as much of this stuff as we possibly can. And then for the second half, I think it's supposed to go for about an hour and a half. So we anticipate about a half hour extra show today. Uh, And then we'll probably... Uh, summarize uh, what we hear from through the vote. So it may be uh, close to a three hour stream today. So if you hopefully you guys can come hang out today, we got lots to get to with our assessment and the rest. Um, and if you've been listening, you're not surprised today. <clears throat> so thanks for being here today, guys. Everyone over there on the foxhole.app, thanks for being here today, guys. <clears throat> Uh, Willie Fixit's in the house. Polidius, who cares? Thank you for the 145 gold pills. Uh, I did have a great weekend, man. Um, Saturday, I got the uh, log splitter finally tested and operational, so we got that done. Uh, Sunday, I... um, what I do Sunday? Pretty much chumoed, and I, I did some cooking, and then yesterday went out to land and planted some stuff and tried to clean up around the trees, and it's getting freaking overgrown out there already with the quickness, so I'm looking at trying to rent brush mowers now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's um, it's, a, it's a quick spring into summer f- uh, fly here. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it feels like two weeks of spring, and boom, now we're going into summer, and then spring will probably be back next week, so don't worry about that. But but uh, thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, everyone over there on the Foxhole.app, uh, I appreciate you guys very much. Do me a favor. If you can, share the stream with somebody. Tell somebody about the Foxhole.app. You don't have to necessarily share this stream, but just tell somebody about it. Just say, hey, come check out the Foxhole.app. A lot of great pre- presenters. I see Woke Societies went, early, uh, went live early today. 
in in anticipation of the hearing in in Arizona as well. Uh, Brain Pods Live, News Time Live, um, four twelve and on. Based Amy True reporting. AP uh, Amy Joe, God loves you. Uh, Johnny Dangerously, Sloan TV, WRH Rivero, Patriot News, and PSB all live right now. So if you're sick and tired of me, you can always go check out one of them. I appreciate all you guys very much. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Classical Chick, for the cookie. God bless you. Everything Uncensored Abe, of course, is uncensoredabe.com. So check that out when you guys get time. Um, my, interesting how my screens just kind of do whatever they want. See that? Isn't that cool? They just kind of, oh, I was moving. I was messing around with it last weekend, wasn't I? Anyways, <laughs> um, uncensoredave.com. Check it out when you get time. Uh, Podbean, iHeart, Apple, Google, Spotify is where you can find the podcast. So check that out when you get time. Uh, Telegram and True Social links are at the very top right there. We're also streaming on Telegram right now. So check that out if you if you get a chance. I'd like to, I'm wondering if, if you can hear the audio through or if you just hear me talking. So if you, if I can get some feedback from anybody that's over there on Telegram, if you can drop into Foxhole chat or one of the other, you know, Rumble chat or something, and just when we when I play something, um, a video, which I actually don't have anything playing, anything to play right now, I don't have any videos. I could try playing one real quick and seeing if you hear it, but um, I'm wondering if you guys hear everything okay. Um, see, now it's now it should be now it says live, <laughs> so hopefully you can hear me over there uh, on the on the. Um, I'm trying to figure out Telegram. I'm, I'm wondering if you guys over there in Telegram are able to hear audio through uh, when I play audio. So I'll play some here in a little bit and then let me know if that works because I don't know how to, I don't know anything about Telegram. So, but I know a lot about my website and you can watch the show directly from the website if you want. Merchandise is up there, 2020 blog, 2021 blog, and how to contact me as well. The live stream is on Foxhole, DLive, Twitch, Rumble, CloudHub, and Tiger Network, YouTube, Banda, screw them, so be it. Last two shows are always up on the screen as well as previous show, live shows, and things like that. If you want to help me keep the lights on, I could really use your help. I could be, I got to be honest with you. Cash App, PayPal, and Patreon are how you can do that. Or you can go over to MyPillow.com, boom, right there, and, and use discount code Abe. You can use MyPillow.com com backslash Abe or the number at the bottom of your screen that's scrolling and you can head over to uh, my pillow and get some awesome discounts I think they still have uh, their slipper blowouts going on so that's going on you get a free gift if you use discount code Abe and then they still have the buy one get one free bed sheets pillows um Go anywhere pillows and towel sets. Everybody needs towels. Uh, you get buy one get one free, so you get twelve towels uh, for the price of six towels, and uh, that'll take care of your towel collection for a while. So check that out when you get time. Discount code Abe, and you get and you get a free uh, gift and a great discount. And it's a way that you can also help me because I could really use it. I appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for all you guys do. Scroll down to the very bottom of the screen, Facebook, Truth, and Gab links are right there. My email address, the link trees, and the P.O. box if you want to send me something. I still got, I still didn't get over the P.O. box this weekend. I'll try to get that done one of these days. So thanks for being here today, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about Sussman. We're going to talk about uh, Durham and what's to come. Um, lots of people really, you know, rather pissed off with what they see today. I'm rightfully so. I mean, I got to be honest. Um Rightfully so, but um, you know me, I always try to bring a little bit different perspective, so we'll, we'll talk about that today, so that's coming up uh, here pretty quick. Um, everyone over there on the alternate platforms, thank you guys for being here today, uh, True Social. Uh, link is, is on is out there. Uh, Tiger Network, Tor3.com, as well as uh, CloudHub. Appreciate you guys very much. Thank you for being over here today. Rumble Cloud is working their way in. Alatshaw, uh, Glenn, Chris, uh, good to see you guys all over there. 20 watching already. Uh, do me a favor, hit that plus button at the bottom left of your screen or the a thumbs up, whichever one, uh, whatever platform you're on. 
whatever device you're on. Uh, thanks for being here today over there on Rumble and over there on Twitch. Always a great crowd over there working their way in. 17 viewers right now. Breanne is in the light. Truth is the light. Who cares news? Uh, Deplora Laura, Black Hat Destroyer, and Brian. Brian. Jeez. Brian, good to see you, man. <laughs> I can't hold myself, dude. Panzer Pappy in the house. So there you go. Uh, we're gonna, yeah, we're definitely gonna talk about Durham here in just a moment. D Live banned my chat because I was dropping all the links in there and people were sharing them. Oh, we can't have that. We have to be able to control it. So do me a favor, take all your money out of D Live and go put it into Rumble or one of the other platforms. You know, Foxhole. Uh, take all of your financial information out of D Live and send them a message that you don't appreciate being censored. Black Cat Destroyer, what's good? All right, guys. So, hey, sweetie, thank you for the cookie. What are you doing? Get back to work. <laughs> Howdy, Logicals. Hey, keep true. Good to see you. Uh, you don't mean I have to go to a hotel anymore? <laughs> hey, Duppy. Rees. The Rees are all over the place. So, I don't know. Okay. So, if you guys have watched the show, um, you know I've been saying for two weeks that do not be surprised if you we, we do not get the outcome that we are expecting with regards to uh, Sussman. And the reason why I said that is, is number one, I honestly think the fix is in. I, I, I honestly believe that, but I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to doomsayer you guys all the time. Be like, ah, fuck it. It ain't nothing's going to come with it. We're, we're going to cover these important events, but deep down inside of me, the reason why they stole this election was to cover it up. So it's going to take time. You know, we're going to have to figure out whatever happens with this election. I see a lot of people, you know, hinting about stuff there. I'm just, I'll just ask you again. Is just Trump back yet? Because you guys aren't stopped calling in about four months ago with that garbage. Um, I mean, maybe he is, but it, what's the point? Uh, what's the point of even talking about it at this point? We got too many freaking other things to worry about, um, and too many people that are just kind of like, uh, you know, not understanding the urgency that we face in this country right now. And so that's what we're trying to make sure we we do is keep that urgency up there. But at the same time, man, I, you know, the reason why they rigged this election is to cover this shit up. I mean, let's be real. That's, that's the whole purpose that they did it. They want to be, have control of the justice system. And so when you kind of look at it logically, you're like, well, it kind of makes sense that, um, you know, a jury of, uh, of Sussman's peers in DCs, including friends and family, probably, you know, would be the ones that to kind of let him go. No one's really concerned about that. The reason why this trial is so important and the reason why the Sussman court uh, case was so important is because Durham got admitted into the public record and into the evidence via discovery that Hillary Clinton colluded to set up a sitting president using the agencies of the U.S. government to spy on and try to destroy a sitting president. That's the real scandal here. Sussman lying to the FBI was just, I always was like, why would you go after Sussman for lying to the FBI? Of all things that you're going to go after Sussman for, why that, right? I mean, why? And the reason why, I think the reason why Durham did that is because he needed, he needed to establish the foundation of the cooperation, as they say it, or the collusion or the conspiracy. And Durham clearly got that entered in the record. Robbie Mook admitted that the, the the Alpha Bank garbage was invented and it was paid for by Hillary Clinton. So, you know, that's the thing that's important. Now, of course, because of all these shootings and other things that are happening, the shiny objects are everywhere, and the vast majority of the public probably isn't even seeing the truth about all of this stuff. That's the battle that we're in. 
that's the fight that we're up against. There's a couple of really good articles today. Uh, Julie Kelly has a good article talking about the two-tier justice system that we have all witnessed and continue to witness via the January 6th committee. You know, we watch January 6th people, just their lives be destroyed, and we wonder why guys like Sussman get off. Well, <laughs> Julie Kelly has a great article. Of course, I got to read Techno Fogs, DC Jury, and DC Verdicts. Michael Sussman has been acquitted. Uh, so I got to get to that. Shipwreck Crew has an interesting uh, quick thread. And then uh, a nine-minute read from Margot Cleveland. As, as you remember, Friday, we ended up Friday with her last article. And, and Margot, you know, kind of picking up what I'm putting down, both of us agreeing, not knowingly, obviously, with each other, but but seeing seeing the same kind of signs of what we saw, the materiality of of Sussman lying to Baker um, didn't really matter. I mean, that's why the, the whole case to me just didn't make sense. Why does that even matter? It, it, whether or not he was representing the Clinton campaign, the more important things that are in this are some of the things like just human, just human has been talking about, and he's going to talk about tonight. I think he goes live at nine thirty Eastern. So listen to him tonight because he has a good he has a good analysis and good perspective on this too. And I think probably part of what he's going to go to is the the idea that uh, attorney client privilege and challenging that doctrine while still being able to get important classified information entered into the court and into a grand jury that's the most important thing to me. So whether or not Sussman, none of that stuff really matters, does it? What really matters is that the bigger conspiracy has now been entered into the public sphere. And everything that we've been studying for the last four years is coming true. So there's that. I mean, I've, all I did for the past month was read posts about this stuff and help people understand the bigger picture of this stuff and watch this all amazing articles and amazing creators. Never mind. People bitch because I steal stuff. You should see the lack of credit I get for the shit that I've been doing. You should see it. They just flat out steal it, expect to steal it, and don't tell anybody that, they, that I'm the one they got it from. I don't really freaking care. I've always said it. it's not about me. It's about the information. But, man, watching people, <laughs> watching that shit happen for four years is really starting to test my patience. Anyways, uh, Popcorn Q, thank you for the shades. Much love. Much love. Do the Q post, right? I know. Uh, might as well go ahead and uh, find another one to do. I'm sure in today's reading I will, so we'll give that a try. <laughs> so thanks for being here. Johnny B's in the house as well. Deplora Laura. I gave up expecting anything a long time ago. Um, I, I, you know, my expectations are definitely dialed back because the reason they stole an election is to cover this up, right? I mean, so <laughs> if we if we keep that in mind, um, until this election stuff gets figured out, if and when it ever does, in this two-tiered justice system. You know, I, we got a battle ahead of us. We got a serious battle ahead of us. And it's time to strap up, you know, double down on our efforts, do whatever you can to raise awareness, talk to people, be that annoying aunt, be that annoying person that's always bringing this stuff up because it's important. And the, the more the, the more you, if you get to one person that says, if you say to them, the news is fake, but the war is real. And then you can explain that quickly. You're getting somewhere. So that's what's important to me. And without further ado, I'm going to stop talking because it's already been 17 minutes. I'm on a roll with 17s today. Um, and I want to get to these articles because we only got about another 45 minutes before that uh, Arizona stuff kicks off. So here you go. How do you introduce evidence? Jackpot. I'd like to see the court punish. Yeah. Well, yeah. Stolen elections, a tale of two D.C. courtrooms, regardless of the verdicts of for the suspect and hail, it's increasingly clear Americans continue to live in two separate and unequal systems of government. Julie Kelly dropped on the 26th. Let's check it out. 
the Elijah Barrett Pretty Man Courthouse uh, in in Washington D.C. is center stage this month uh, to two competing tales of stolen presidential elections. In the courtroom of U- U.S. District Judge uh, Christopher Cooper, federal prosecutors have presented a detailed account of the greatest scandal in U.S. political history: the conspiracy of the country's most powerful interest to fabricate the Trump-Russia collusion hoax in order to sabotage Donald Trump before the 2016 election and in going into 2020. Michael Sussman, a lawyer formerly employed by Perkins Coy, the influential law firm that funded the infamous Steele dossier on behalf of Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee, is on trial for lying to the FBI. Sussman is accused of presenting phony data alleged to prove a connection between Trump and a Russian bank to the Department of Justice to, to the Department. Uh, just weeks before Election Day in 2016. The sinister collaboration, thank you, Tim, much love, brother, uh, exposed years ago by reporters and bloggers on the right, huh? but now confirmed by the special counsel, John Durham. Isn't that interesting? The sinister collaboration exposed by reporters and bloggers. I'm a blogger now on the right, um, <clears throat> but now confirmed by the special counsel, John Durham's investigation involved Democrat Party honchos, including candidates, the candidate herself, top officials at the Department of Justice, who used the dossier as evidence for a warrant to spy on Trump's campaign. FBI officials and informants, the Central Intelligence Agency, and of course, the National news media Russia's interference in the 2016 election to rig the outcome in favor of Trump was accepted as truth not just by the same interest responsible for the hoax but by tens of millions of Americans roughly half the country openly refused to accept the fact that Trump won fair and square media fueled accusations that the new president and Russia president Vladimir Putin stole the election prompted the appointment of the special counsel Robert Mueller in May of 2017 a move supported by most Republicans in Washington. Trump's first two years in office were severely hobbled by the nonstop collusion drama as Mueller's team systematically rounded up Trump allies and unrelated to unrelated charges to produce breaking headlines and speculation that Trump will be next one in handcuffs, where it says Rachel Madcow. Even after Mueller in 2019 finally admitted his prosecutors found no evidence of election-altering collusion, 84% of Democrats still believed that Trump had been in cahoots with the Russians. For four years, Democrats proudly displayed not-my-president hashtags on social media platforms, and to this day, Hillary Clinton insists the 26th election was not on the level because they're used to rigging elections and they couldn't rig that one. I wonder why that happened. But that sort of talk has not just been designated to the big lie by the news media or criminalized by the Justice Department. Any suggestion that the 2016 election was rigged or stolen remains safely under the purview of protected speech and in many quarters is still considered an indisputable fact. Not so for those who doubted the outcome of the 2020 presidential election, which is why just a few hours, a few floors below Judge Cooper's courtroom, Timothy Hale is on trial for his participation in the protest on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. While the wheels of justice turn excruciating slow for Trump-Russia collusion schemers such as Sussman, the government has moved at lighting speed to round up dissidents of the Biden regime. More than 800 Americans who protested Biden's election on January 6th face criminal charges. The Justice Department announces new arrests every freaking week. Unlike Michael Sussman, who walked free for five years following his commission of the commission of his alleged crime, Tim Hale has been in jail under pretrial detention orders for more than 16 months. Yet Hale's alleged offenses were far less damaging to the country than the crimes Sussman and his accomplices are accused of committing. 
a January 6th, Hale, an Army reservist, drove to Washington after working the night shift at a New Jersey naval station to hear President Trump speak. Later that afternoon, Hale walked to the Capitol. He entered the Capitol building around 2.14 through, through a set of open doors. Hale carried no weapon, didn't assault anyone. On at least two occasions, Hale is seen interacting with police officers who did not attempt to either arrest him or anyone around him. After 40 minutes, Hale exited the building and drove back to New Jersey in time to start his night shift again. One one week later, after his roommate agreed to secretly record a conversation for NCIS, Hale was arrested by at least a dozen armed FBI agents. His roommate subsequently was paid $4,000 by NCIS for producing the two-hour recording. Since then... Biden's Justice Department has devoted untold human and financial resources to prosecute Hale, who was indicted on four misdemeanors and one obstruction felony. Federal taxpayers have paid to keep Hale with no criminal record incarcerated at a D.C. gulag set aside for Trump supporters. Numerous prosecutors, assistants, law enforcement officers, tech experts, private contractors, and witnesses spent over a year building the case against Hale. A jury this week finally heard all the evidence in the courtroom of Judge Trevor McFadden, a Trump appointee responsible for keeping Hale behind bars since last spring. But prosecutors spent more than more time litigating Hale's political views than arguing his guilt related to the nonviolent excursion through a public building on January 6th. During testimony on Wednesday by an FBI agent, prosecutors asked the witness to identify Hale in a clip of video taken inside the building. The agent pointed out that Hale was one of the men carrying a Trump flag. With that, the prosecutor handed the agent a large box containing a government exhibit. The agent pulled the item from the box and showed it to the jury. It was a Trump 2020 flag. There were no reasons to show jurors, residents of the city that voted nearly 94% for Joe Biden, the flag. It wasn't used as a weapon, and it didn't even belong to Hale. He picked it up off the ground on his way out. The government's only purpose was to to dramatically remind the D.C.-based jury that the defendant supported Donald Trump. Prosecutors then grilled Hale's roommate, who used the pseudonym Mike Jacobs at trial. About Hale's political views, Jacobs told the jury that Hale believed the election was stolen. The threat to America, Hale believed, was inward, not outward, Jacobs explained. Big tech, the Republican Party, and the Jewish interest also earned Hale's eminity. But this testimony, just like the Trump flag, had nothing to do with Hale's alleged criminal conduct on January 6th. Prosecutors weren't attempting to convince the jury Hale was guilty of trespassing or obstructing an official proceeding. Hale, in the eyes of Biden's Justice Department, is guilty of an unforgivable crime of voting for Trump. Juries in both cases are expected to begin deliberations on Friday. Unfortunately for Hale, D.C. juries have returned unanimous guilty verdicts on all counts in record time for January 6th protesters. Regardless of the verdicts for the Sussman and Hale, it's increasingly clear Americans continue to live in two separate and unequal systems of government. One side enjoys a protracted legal process that ultimately results with a slap on the wrist, favorable or buried news coverage, and a sympathetic jury pool, among other benefits, The opposite side is hunted, incarcerated, humiliated, left to the non-existent mercies of a ruling class that views them with palpable contempt. The stolen election for thee, but not for me. Julie Kelly, thank you again for another great article. Going to have to keep it moving today, 425 already. Michael Sussman has been acquitted. DC jury and DC verdicts. Technofog's new article out. 
Let's get to it. Sussman has been acquitted. The acquittal is no surprise. This is a D.C. jury, after all. In the Roger Stone case, for example, we documented how our juror lied to get on the panel. Judge didn't, that judge didn't care, but making matters worse, the Sussman judge wrongly allowed for a woman to remain in the jury despite the fact that her daughter and Sussmans are on the same high school crew team. One can't help think that juror had her own daughter's interest in mind, the, ho- the cohesion of the crew team, sparing her teenage drama, etc., when she reached a decision. After the verdict was announced, the jury's forewoman held court before the media and expressed her displeasure that the special counsel that the special counsel prosecute a false statement case. Quote, there are bigger things that affect the nation than the possible lie to the FBI. Like, like the bigger thing that's more important is that women can call themselves men and men can call themselves women. This juror was never impartial, despite her assurance to the judge. On the facts, the evidence was more than efficient to prove Sussman's guilt. Sussman lied to the FBI general counsel James Baker via text message in order to get a meeting to pass the Alpha Bank hoax materials to the FBI. Sussman lied again during the meeting, stating he was not there on behalf of a client in order to get the FBI to open an investigation into Trump's organization purported ties to the Alpha Bank. Question. And so how did the meeting begin? What what happened? Michael started to explain why he was there. He said that he was not appearing before me on behalf of any particular client. Later during, during testimony to Congress, Sussman admitted he met with Baker on behalf of a client. I think it's most accurate to say it was done on behalf of my client. That's the evidence that ended up coming from um, uh, the testimony in front of the uh, House Intelligence Committee. Billing records prove that he had been working on Alpha Bank Project on behalf of the Clinton campaign. Evidence also demonstrated that Sussman billed the Clinton campaign for thumb drives passed to Baker during the meeting. How was the Clinton campaign billed? Sussman referenced the confidential project, the Alpha Bank Project. I won't say the verdict doesn't matter. Of course it matters. It would have, I would have proven that a DC jury can convict one of their own. It would have resulted in accountability for lying to the FBI, not the gravest of crimes, but still a crime. In large part, the prosecution of Sussman was hamstrung by the FBI's investigation into the alpha bank allegations that goes to materiality. And how can the lies be material? If the FBI's investigation was so sloppy, That was always an unconvincing defense as Sussman lies helped trigger the FBI's investigation into the alpha Trump alpha bank hoax. How does Sussman convince the skeptical New York times to take another look at the alpha bank story by showing them that the FBI is investigating the matter. How can Sussman convince the FBI to start alpha bank investigation as soon as possible by orchestrating leaks of the information to the press. The the proverbial wrap up smear, the DNC person, that provided these some drives to Baker that he or she was going to release the information concerning the Trump server, the direct contact with Russians through Alpha Bank in Moscow to the press on 9-13-2016. Isn't that great? Just before the Trump-Clinton debate. Now, nah, there's no coordination there. Continuing on the issue of materiality, look at the testimony of the FBI agent Curtis Hyde, who repeated whose repeated requests to interview the source of the Alpha Bank information were denied by headquarters. FBI headquarters didn't want this thing thoroughly vetted, even though they demanded the investigation be open. As we stated during the trial, relatively early on in the investigation, on September 26, 2016, Agent Hyde sent a message to Pienka requesting an interview of the source of the Alpha Bank white papers. By that time, Hyde knew the white papers was bunk. 
He received no response from Pienka. He repeated this request on October 3rd, 2016. Agent Hyde's requests were rebuffed by his liaison at FBI headquarters. The seventh floor, as Technofog says, did not want this information truly vetted. They needed this to happen. That's not to say that the public hasn't benefited from the trial. The information disclosure in the trial was important to understand the broader fusion uh, GPS, Perkins Coy, Clinton Coy, Clinton's effort to poison the public, the press, and the FBI with their Trump-Russia lies. This included, number one, data from the executive office of the President of the United States, including data from the uh, Trumanism period, was exploited by Sussman and Rodney Joffe and then passed on to the CIA. Rodney Joffe was a longtime confidential human source and generally a resource for the FBI. Joffe worked with the FBI and cyber threats from countries like Russia. From former FBI agent Grasso, quote, I'm sure the work that Joffe did touched on matters having to do with Russia. Three, Joffe went to great lengths to make sure that Alpha Bank information he provided to the FBI did not go through his official FBI handle. Four, the decision to open the investigation came from FBI leadership. According to one FBI agent, people on the seventh floor, including the director, are fired up about this server. Perkins Coy um, partner Mark Elias provided updates on the Fusion GPS research to the Clinton campaign. After reviewing the evidence, number six, the FBI leaned towards this being a false server not attributed to the Trump organization. Number seven, an unbelievable confirmation of the shoddy FBI investigation into the Russian hacking of our election. As of October 13th, 2016, the FBI did not have the CrowdStrike images relating to the purported DNC DCC hack. Message from FBI agent to their uh, via their internal messaging system, quote, really, I just want images of what CrowdStrike has. Interesting. Number eight, Hillary Clinton herself approved of the strategy to disseminate the Alpha Bank allegations to the media per Robbie Mook. Question, Mr. Mook. Before the break, you had testified that there was a conversation in which you told Ms. Clinton about the proposed plan to provide the Alpha Bank allegations to the media. Is that correct? Answer, correct. And what was her response? Answer, all I remember is that she agreed with the decision. Then there are the trial exhibits, which the Epoch Times has posted here, as Aaron Mate observed. Sussman edited an FBI press release on the DNC hacking because the FBI's proposed statement undermines the DNC hacking narrative. As Aaron um, Mate says here, Sussman trial exhibits have been released, include some CrowdStrike FBI DNC engages on the alleged DNC hack. Here, Sussman edits an FBI press release because the original wording undermines the DNC hacking narrative. Very interesting. Where does Durham go from here? That's the real question. We already know that the investigation into Rodney Joffe remains open and that Igor Danchenko faces trial this year in October. Whether there is more remains to be seen, and we are getting hints that there is more. But again, you know, Tempered expectations allow these things to play themselves out. Do not allow your hopes to get get up too high to where things let you down because this is going to continually be a punch and counter punch scenario until we figure out what the hell happened in these elections. So there you go. Neo mama. Great to see you. God bless you. It's great to see you out there. Much love. Thank you for being here today. Uh, So there you go. There's the first two uh, that I wanted to get out there today for you guys. Um, we got to talk about Jan Danchenko here, and then we got. I want to read uh, nine minutes of Margot Cleveland. I want to read that too because uh, these different perspectives are important for me in, in the way that I analyze things, and hopefully you guys appreciate them too. 
If you don't want, if you guys get sick of me reading, just say, can you just stop reading and start talking? Just let me know. Give me some feedback on that. Cause I, I get a lot of feedback that says you guys really like uh, when I read these, <clears throat> these articles. Cause you don't get a whole lot of time to read yourself. 1345 gold pills today. Thank you guys very much. Tan Grouse, Sean Joe, Tennessee, Tim, popcorn Q, blue dragons, classical chick. And who cares? Thank you guys all very much. God bless you. Thank you all for being here today. As always, uh, everyone over there on Twitch, man, thanks for being here today, guys. Good crowd over there on Twitch. Uh, Free Cell and Lighten King, new follows over there. Kate Speaks, speaks uh, with a couple of um, Tier 1 subs gifted on Friday. Thank you guys very much. Panzer Poppy, remember what Cash has been saying in his interviews? Indeed, you know, I mean, there there is a lot more to come on this. And, you know, how it, how it really truly plays itself out, I have been very cautious on that because I... Been doing this for a long time. I've been watching DC, involved in DC politics in some fashion or form my whole life, really. Um, and I've been watching how this shit works. And if you just keep an eye on how this stuff works, you realize that the the public rarely gets told the actual truth on all this stuff. And the reason why we know so much about this is because an insider was writing on the cueboards telling us all of this stuff that was happening. So and for me, it's it's a it's an affirmation in a lot of ways um, of everything that we have been studying and talking about for four years. Um, that's that's also what comes from the Durham trial, does it not? Because like I said, pretty much every day a new name come up. Oh, look at there, Trisha Anderson's in the news. What we do, we go read a cute post that has Trisha Anderson's name in it, right? So it, to me, it says a lot about that the things that we've been doing for a long time and will continue to do. Are, um, are are for a very important and effective reason. So keep staying focused on that. Shipwreck crew th- th- threw a quick thread out there about five hours ago talking about Durham. He says this, Durham knew prior to bringing the case on a very last day prior to the SOL running out that the case was going to be difficult to win given the evidence and the venue, but he brought it anyway. But through the case, he established in the public record the existence of the plot. The fact that he brought it through a long speaking indictment in the manner in which he did, and then spent a lot of time tying these three components together, the Dem campaign operatives, the Apple researchers, and the FBI, suggest that was really the goal all along. Shipped record with a little bit of insight um, you know, from the, from the legalese side of the house that makes a whole lot of sense, Right. Laying out the cooperation between those three agencies uh, very effectively, while it doesn't, you know, it doesn't put Sussman in jail, it establishes something that's very important going forward. Margo Cleveland, with nine minutes, if I could, if I could get of your time, the trial that opened the Pandora's box. Patience, young Padawan. Indeed, Panzer Pappy. Thank you for that. Um, it's just a show. Uh, hurt truce my motor to go slow. Hurts my motor to go slow. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. All right. Even without the jury convicting Michael Sussman, the special counsel has won from Margot Cleveland. Um, Let's try to get this in here real quick, and then we'll get to uh, whatever else I got out there today. We've got about uh, 20 minutes before the Arizona hearing. As soon as that Arizona hearing goes live, uh, we will be playing that for you guys here live. So measuring special counsel John Durham's performance by the outcome of United States versus Sussman 
would be a mistake, says Margot Cleveland. I tend to agree with the vast majority of what she writes. Let's see what she has here. The jury in the Michael Sussman criminal case resumes deliberations today after a long Memorial Day weekend. While prosecutors presented overwhelming evidence over the last two weeks that Sussman lied to the FBI General Counsel James Baker in 2016, an acquittal by the D.C. jury still seems likely. Update. Jurors did acquit <laughs> Sussman. Judging the success of Special Counsel John Durham's probe into the investigation of President Trump and their associated with the Trump campaign and the administration should not rest on the outcome of the Sussman prosecution, however. In fact, even if the special counsel's office scores a conviction in its false statement case against Sussman, that would do little to right the scales of justice unbalanced by more than five years of politically motivated abuse of power that began as Crossfire Hurricane and continued even after special counsel Robert Mueller issued his final report. So measuring Durham's performance by the outcome in the United States versus Sussman would be a mistake. Also, especially in the case of an acquittal, it would ignore the valuable information exposed related to the broader Spygate scandal. Using that gauge as a measure, the special counsel's office succeeded wildly. Durham proved the collusion hoax was not Hillary Clinton enterprise. On, on September 19th, 2016, Sussman provided Baker with data and white papers purporting to show a secret communications network between Russia-based Alpha Bank and Donald Trump. In indicting Sussman for allegedly lying to Baker during this meeting, the special counsel's office revealed in its 27-page speaking indictment a scandal much deeper than merely Sussman's role in the second collusion hoax. The second Russian hoax, a scandal that entangles the Clinton campaign, multiple Internet companies, two federally funded university researchers and a complicit and cooperative media. Since then, proof that the Clinton campaign held near total responsibility uh, for launching the Russia collusion hoax mounted with nearly every legal filing. It eventually culminated during the Sussman trial when former Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook testified that Hillary Clinton personally agreed with the decision to feed the unverified and quickly debunked theory that Trump was communicating secretly with Russia through a backdoor Alpha Bank channel. And millions of simple-minded morons walked around saying, my Russia, my Russia, my Russia, my Russia, my Russia, my Russia. <sighs> morons. <clears throat> you cannot fix stupid. Other trial evidence confirmed the Clinton campaign paid the law firm Perkins and Coy a flat fee of as much as $130,000 per month during the campaign and authorized lead counsel Mark Elias to hire Fusion GPS for opposition research. Billing records then showed Sussman charged his time for working on the Alpha Bank hoax, including the time that he spent meeting with the FBI's general counsel, James Baker to the Clinton campaign. In fact, late last week, the jury in the Sussman case learned that Sussman even charged the Clinton campaign for two thumb drives purchased at Stables used for the Alpha Bank project. While the Sussman case focused on the Alpha Bank hoax, the detailed evidence presented over the course of that prosecution also confirmed the Clinton campaign paid for Fusion GPS to compile the Christopher Steele dossier. Given Mook's testimony that he sought Clinton's approval to push the Alpha Bank claims to the media, it's only reasonable to infer she likewise personally greenlighted the peddling of the claims contained in the Steele dossier. But even if Clinton did not personally approve of the peddling of the lies contained in the Steele dossier, the Sussman case established that her campaign paid for the lies, including those emanating from the Russian, Russian national Igor Danchenko. And Special Counsel Durham's indictment against Danchenko reveals that individuals hired by the Clinton campaign fed that Russian disinformation to U.S. media, law enforcement, and intelligence agencies, a court ruling requiring more disclosures, indeed. Beyond exposing the Russia, the Clinton campaign's responsibility for the Russia collusion hoax, 
Durham's prosecution of Sussman sets the stage for potentially even more damaging revelations about Clinton's personal involvement in the scandal. To date, the Clinton campaign has has hidden behind claims of attorney-client privilege to prevent Durham from obtaining documents, communications, and testimony through the grand jury. The Clinton campaign claimed material prepared by or communications between Perkins and Coy attorneys, Fusion GPS employees, investigators and other third parties are protected by attorney-client privilege. Prosecutors in the Sussman case, however, succeeded in obtaining a court ruling that several documents withheld by Fusion GPS based on the Clinton campaign's claims of privilege are not protected and must be given to prosecutors. Indeed, this is a very important point uh, that um, is it will play itself out here uh, the rest of this year and in the next year. Probably for the next 10 years, as slow as this shit goes, while Fusion GPS continues to withhold thousands of documents, this precedent provides the special counsel's office solid grounds to challenge the privilege in both the Danchenko case and other grand jury probes that may be pending. Piercing the privilege will prove key to further exposing Clinton's personal involvement in Spygate, killing the Alpha Bank hoax for good. No matter the, the matter the verdict the jury returns in the Sussman case, the special counsel's prosecution also revealed that the Alpha Bank stories were hoaxes and the scandalous way they were crafted and seeded to America. Voters first learned of the supposed connection between Trump and the Russian-based Russian based Alpha Bank about a week before the 2016 presidential election when Slate reported that trusted cyber experts had discovered an irregular pattern of server lookups that suggested a sustained relationship between the server registered to the Trump Organization and two servers registered, said Rachel Madcow. Blah, blah, blah. While the Slate article hedged somewhat by admitting what the scientists amassed wasn't a smoking gun and the data doesn't absolutely preclude alternative explanations, the headline, Group of Computer Scientists Believe a Trump Server Was Communicating with the Russian Bank, captured the essence of the article because that's how simple-minded fucking moron Americans work. They read the headline of the article and they go, oh, did you see? Did you see that the Trump is colluding with Russia? Oh, my God, dude. It is so easy to manipulate people in this world. The first thing you need to realize is the news is fake. And the war is real. Captured the American essence of the, art- the, essence of the article and what the author Franklin Four, Fusion GPS, and the Clinton campaign wanted Americans to believe. The Alpha Bank hoax did not end there, however, or even after Trump's election. Sussman continued to push the theory to the CIA in February 2017 following Trump's inauguration. Soon thereafter, Daniel Jones, a former staffer for the U.S. Senate Committee on Intelligence, ranking member Senator Dianne Feinstein, and the president and CEO of Democracy Integrity Project continued the Alpha Bank witch hunt. According to a complaint filed by the Senate, Senate Ethics Committee, staff and members of the Senate Armed Services Committee, including T. Kirk McConnell, requested and accepted professional services from Jones and TDIP. Specifically, the complaint alleged that the Armed Services Committee via senior leadership staff acting in their official capacity, asked Mr. Jones to research and offer his insights into the alleged connections between Alpha Bank and the Trump Organization servers and to evaluate information they had received about DNS lookups between Alpha Bank servers and Trump Organization servers, unquote. Jones, the TDIP, and the Senate Armed Services Committee continued the Alpha Bank's investigation long after the FBI concluded in early February 2017 that there were no such links between the Trump Organization and Alpha Bank's. The media also persisted in pushing this opposed Russia collusion scandal. Media kept the lies circulating. Of course, without the media, we wouldn't have millions of, 
meat meatheads out there. The New Yorkers Dexter Filkins re-upped the Alpha Bank tail in 2018 uh, in a to me titled Was There a Connection Between Russia Bank and the Trump Campaign? Filkins then resurrected the story for the New Yorker in October 2020, repeating many of the same allegations in the contested afterlife of the Trump Alpha Bank story. <sighs> Ad nauseum. In both pieces, Filkins referenced Max, who claimed that he, along with a team of other supposed guardians of the Internet, had uncovered the mysterious Alpha Bank Trump connections. But thanks to the prosecution of Sussman, we know Max is tech executive Rodney Joffe and his fellow cyber experts pushing the Alpha Bank hoax were April Lorenzen and David Dagon. Court filings in the Sussman case also revealed that cyber researchers saw the Alpha Bank theory as, uh, well, flawed. They also showed another expert, Manos Anatakis, who reviewed the Alpha Bank Trump white papers, had congratulated Joffe on crafting the paper to avoid the most glaring hole in the thesis. The more devastating takedown of the Alpha Bank theory, however, came during Sussman's trial when the cybersecurity experts testified of their review of the data, telling the jury they had quickly concluded the hypothesis made no sense. One agent noted it sounded 5150-ish at the time. He explained to the jury that the individual posting the Alpha Bank Trump connection sounded as if he was suffering from some sort of mental disability, just as... The vast majority of the radical left in this country are suffering from a mental disability. Exposing deep intelligence corruption is the next section here. Beyond bearing the Alpha Bank hoax as a crazy conspiracy theory, Durham's investigation also exposed the scandalous way the, the theory permeated both the media and the U.S. law enforcement and intelligence agencies. Joffe tasked two Georgia Tech cyber researchers, as well as employees at tech companies over which he had influence, with mining proprietary and sensitive government data for any connection between Trump and Russia to push the Russia collusion narrative. Joffe also held responsibility for providing the Alpha Bank data to Sussman, who shared it with the Clinton campaign's head lawyer, Elias, and Fusion GPS, with the group then plotting to push the tale to the media. The evidence further showed that Sussman then fed the Alpha Bank story to the FBI, lying to Baker at the time, prompting the FBI to launch an investigation into a supposed secret communications network. Meantime, Joffe provided a different FBI contact, the same Alpha Bank quote-unquote intel, while asking the agent to maintain his anonymity, thereby creating a problem of circular reporting. Special Counsel Durham is also revealed that Joffe still risks prosecution. As with Sussman, whether Joffe ever faces charges or a conviction, says nothing of the success of the Durham investigation. To date, the special counsel has succeeded in exposing Hillary Clinton's role in the hoax and that the Alpha Bank hoax was real and spectacularly scandalous. Margot Cleveland with a really good article today in today's Federalist. There you go. There's that. Lastly, Washington Times article from May 10th, 2022. Durham says the FBI intelligence agency slowing down document production in the Danchenko case. I read this the day it came out. It's, I'm going to reread it now because we have 10 minutes left before the Arizona hearing, and so we'll hop to it. Dolphin says, I agree. People prove their stupidity every day. It is scary. It is really freaking scary, Dolphin. Uh, Special Counsel John Durham on Tuesday blamed the FBI and other U.S. intelligence agencies for slow-walking document production in the case against Igor Danchenko, who was accused of lying to investigators about where and how he got information for the so-called Steele dossier. 
In a court filing, Mr. Durham asked U.S. District Judge Anthony Trenga to extend the deadline to turn over classified documents to Mr. Denchenko's attorneys. He is seeking a one-month extension, which would push the deadline from May 13th to June 13th. I don't, I don't, if I remember correctly, chat, if you can I'll verify this, I don't think he got that extension. Mr. Durham said the FBI and intelligence agencies have been slow to declassify some of the evidence because of recent world events, possibly referring to uh, Russia's war with Ukraine. Yeah. That's how far these people are willing to go. They'll start a war in order to stop this information from coming out. Mr. Danchenko last fall was charged with repeatedly lying to the FBI about how he compiled information for British ex-spy Christopher Steele's salacious and unverified dossier that was filled with now-debunked accusations tying former President Donald Trump to Russia. A trial is scheduled for October, and that is why... I wanted to get that uh, put out there. Mr. Denshik was accused of intentionally misleading the FBI when he denied a 2017 interview that his primary source for the section of the dossier was Charles H. Dolan Jr., a former aide to Hillary Clinton. Miss Clinton and the 2016 Democrat presidential nominee lost the election to Mr. Trump. Oh, thanks for clarifying that, Jeff. Appreciate that. They also lost the 2021, too, but hey. Hey, Bill Cooper, good to see you. That, that is the thing about sheep, Abe. They are easily fed. It's freaking scary, brother. I mean, it is. It really is scary. It, it's, uh, you know, that's part of the battle we're up against, right? You know what I'm saying? It. Um, I don't even know what to say, dude. You know what I'm saying? Because usually think of like, so the reason why liberals are are into this critical race theory thing and are always pulling about race and stuff like that is because they're notoriously racist. And so they believe that everybody else around them also thinks like them and must also be racist. Those of us who have critical thinking skills and some discernment can look at something and go, that sounds like a bunch of bullshit, but hey, whatever, right? We can, we can look at something and, and want to look into it deeper, not just take it for its face value, right? And so all of us think, well, clearly the rest of the world is, has critical thinking skills and is able to see that this is freaking obviously garbage, it's it's a similar thing in our community when, you know, people come over and say, hey, did you see what Austin Steinbart said today? And I'm over here like, oh, hey, did you see Trump's coming back? And I'm over here like, oh, hey, did you see JFK Jr.'s alive? And I'm over here like, you know, it, it it's baffling. It's seriously baffling. And it, it really is the bigger problem of our world. If nothing is real, then everything is fake. Then where where do you find reality? If you live your life that nothing is real, everything is fake, then how do you how do you able to 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 center yourself and find reality? Um, I don't know, to be honest. I I shield myself from a lot of that garbage. I don't even I don't pay any attention to it. I don't put any time into it. I stay focused on what we try to do here. And hopefully you guys are are picking up what I'm putting down here because there are a lot of others out there that are. And boy, they're getting a lot of credit for it. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, moving on. I don't really care about that. I could care less who gets the credit for this stuff. That isn't the point. Uh, Last Refuge has a DHS and Intel community media outlets proactively moved to defend Dominion voting. I have like 20 other articles up, you guys, and I really want to get to them. Um, but this uh, this hearing is about to kick off pretty quick here. So um, let, me, let me get it up on the screen here and see what we have. Arizona, let's see here. 
uh, election integrity watchdog group to present information on ballot harvesting with uh, with uh, Arizona lawmakers. Here is the live courtroom, or courtroom, the live um, legislature building here now. Uh, you can see there's a lot of people just kind of standing around waiting for it to kick off. Um, it is about eight minutes out. So we got about eight minutes to chill. Um, I think I'll just chill with you guys. We got all the Durham stuff put into, into the show. I can always do the rest of this stuff tomorrow. Um, I can save all these articles for you guys tomorrow because there are a lot of important articles that are up there today. Uh, we can do a quick news blitz. Uh, have you guys heard about Selection Code? Check out SelectionCode.com. It's going to be coming out, I think, in about a month or so. I'll get that link out there to you guys. If you haven't seen that yet, grab that link, bookmark it for your for your sites, and, and help do me a favor. Help me share that one out there far and wide. Um, I missed the Durham report for today. Um, you can always go back and rewind and listen. <laughs> uh, here is that movie that's coming out. Um, the Truth About January 6th documentary to revere exclusively on Gateway Pundit, narrated from a political prisoner, Jacob Lang, from Solitary Confinement. Um, the, this film will be historic. It is going to be called uh, Solitary Confinement. Um, and let's see here. 46 seconds. Huh. Hold Stand by one second. That is not coming through anywhere. That is weird. Why wouldn't that come through? Hmm. Four minutes before it starts. So let's see here. I think we played this already. Yeah, we did play this. Oh, my sound's all the way down. I'm Jake Lang, a 27-year-old political prisoner that has been locked up in solitary confinement for over 17 months. The footage you are about to witness has never before been seen by the public. It is the raw and uncut truth of January 6th. J6truth.org is where you can find that. And as soon as that comes out, we are obviously going to be talking about it here. Um, there's that. What else is out there today? Capital Punishment tells the stories you won't hear from January 6th committee. It's called Capital Punishment. There you go. Um, oil prices tumble on OPEC's Russia reports. Some kind of deal, whatever. So crude dropped crazily today. It'll be back up tomorrow. Authorities find 70 missing children in West Texas. A very important story, obviously, out there today. Um, and we see these pretty much every day now. The human, human trafficking of children in this world is very real. Massive fire breaks out at a poultry farm that supplies eggs to major supermarkets as the attack on our food chain clearly is continuing. It's a lot of chickens. It's a hit to the egg market. Uh, it's people's jobs. It's local community. So anytime anything like this happens, it's not good. Uh, massive fire ki- killing chickens and a poultry farm over the weekend. Iranian military base attacked with drones launched from inside Iran as uh, the Middle East is 
Once again, heating up seems like we're on a path to disaster. Police released key new details in the DUI arrest of Nancy Pelosi's husband. <laughs> I put a smile on my face this weekend. I was like, oh, man, if only it was just for something else besides just something stupid. But so there's that. He gets into a wreck and yeah. Uh, military email reveals alleged deceit regarding Pfizer jab. We have already talked about this before on the channel, but uh, a really good article in Uncovered DC talking even more so about that. And then the ones I'm going to save for you guys are the head of Facebook's uh, fake science fact check group. Uh, science feedback is hiding in Paris, terrified of appearing in court. An article from Cheryl Atkinson, who is WHO is forced into humiliating back back down as Biden's 13 controversial amendments to the international health regulations has been denied as the really good article on that. And then of course the, the dominion voting systems were expected to get uh, very interesting information from dominion. I would guess very soon on the truth that their systems can be easily hacked. So that stuff's going to be coming out. And of course the mainstream media will spin the hell out of that even more like they always do. So we'll wait for that. That's pretty much uh, the big stuff that I had for you guys today. FCCED, ex-Illinois um, leader, a royal sentence for bribery scheme. Illinois House leader, excuse me. Uh, former Norfolk, Norfolk sheriff gets 12 years for bribery and money laundering. Ex-Panamanian president's son gets three years for money laundering. And then the red light mayor scheme, we got that on last week. Uh, that's pretty much all the ones I see there in FCCED. And then t today in the Justice Department, where they only figure out how to do just us, as you guys can see here. Uh, former CEO indicted for misleading investors by COVID-19 test kits. <laughs> According to court documents, Mark Shessel caused Company One to issue multiple public statements claiming that Company One was buying and reselling at least 48 million COVID-19 test kits, despite knowing that the such statements were false and misleading. So that's that. Uh, McDonald's franchisee to resolve immigration-related discrimination claims and pharmacists uh, convicted of unlawfully distributing controlled substances. <laughs> uh, the real drug dealers, the true drug dealers, you know what I'm saying? All right, I'm going to go off camera for this. It's about an hour and a half long. I'll put this full screen for you guys. Don't forget, do me a favor. Check out MyPillow.com backslash Abe if you guys get time. Uh, if you can help support the stream or the channel in any kind of way, I could use your guys' help. Uh, we're trying to get to uh, Virginia Beach in uh, the first week of July, and I'm realizing now that I only got a month to raise money for this. So I uh, could use your guys' support out there if you can help in any kind of way. appreciate you guys very much. Uh, we'll, we'll check in as, as, soon as, this, as soon as we get audio here. Uh, we'll uh, go to, to full screen, and we'll... Um, We'll see what's going on out there. Jen B says they're still using PCR tests. I know, right? I see Greg and I see Catherine there. So um, I, I believe they have allotted about an hour and a half for this. So expect this to go to about 630 and we'll uh, then we'll recap it uh, after it's over. So if you missed any part of it, I'll, I'll take some notes and we'll recap what we uh, what they present here today. So there you go. Uh, let's see here. What's a, what's a barrel up to now? That's a good question. I don't know. Um, let me look while we're waiting for these guys to do something here. Uh, where did that article go? Oil prices. Here we go. Uh, they were to below $115 a barrel for parts of today, whether or not they're at now. I don't know. Let's see. Let's check real quick while we're waiting on them. Uh, let's see here. Markets Business Insider, Trading Economics of CNBC. Here we go. 
Oil prices jump after EU leaders agree to ban most Russian crude exports. See, you just got to wait like about a half hour and the news will change for you. So <laughs> it went from 115 to closing at 119 today. So there you go. Brent crude futures traded 1% higher at $112 a barrel. So there you go. There's where did I lose? I lost my tab. Where'd it go? <laughs> they had it right here a second ago. Uh, oh, there it is. Uh, one, it's at one sixteen right now. So it closed at uh, one sixteen today. So up and down, up and down today. Um, pretty much all day. Nice chart you got there. Check out that awesome chart. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Uh, let's see. looks like they're running a little bit late here. So let me just check in with you guys over there on Rumble. I haven't said anything to said hello to you guys in a little bit. What's going on, Rumble? Just Mojo West Texas is 114. Yikes. You took yesterday off? Good for you, Just Mojo. I, I did too. I went and planted trees and watered trees and cleared weeds and saplings from my other trees. The good news is the 20 northern spruces I, or Norwegian spruces I planted are looking really good. They all look like they're looking really good right now, so that's cool. And buffering. <laughs> They're going to overload the freaking server, dude. I better get a backup plan going here. Hey, Ildo the Hunger to see you out there. Hope all is well. Glenn's out there hanging out as well. The Latshaw, good to see you. Will you be covering the Arizona hearing? Yes, yes. We're trying to get the uh, Arizona hearing up there right now if it will play. There we go. Good to go. Yeah, I'm 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 shocked. All those trees look good, man. They're all budding. So good news for sure. Hey, uh, Nero forty seven. Thank you for the new follow over there on Twitch as well as Ted. Thank you, Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> you know what, Ted? Your uh, manifesto is quite impressive. I must say, so so myself. <laughs> uh oh, the feds just recorded that. Did you really say that Ted Kaczynski's, yeah, have you read it? You should read it. Ted Kaczynski's uh, <laughs> manifesto is extremely interesting, for sure. Never starts on time. I know, I hear you. None of them left to do anything but spot lies. I know, I hear you. Don't tread on me. This there's never accountability. I don't. It doesn't matter. They're all caught if no one will uphold the laws. Well, the theory is is that we're going to eventually get justice. <laughs> we'll see. Qualified immunity in D.C. is uh, something crazy, man. Dual dual citizenship and qualified immunity. That stuff alone, that shit will make your head spin. Why does why do all DC lawyers and DC judges have dual citizenship? Hey, Liberty Bells, God bless you. Kind of coming true. It is coming true. I believe it will too. I believe we will get to a point where we get justice with this, with whatever happened with this stuff. How it plays itself out exactly, nobody knows. But I, you got to keep hope alive, man. You can't you can't let this stuff just drown you out into the ground. You got to keep hope alive. You got to believe that. Um, you know, the, the minds that are behind this, right? The, the people that are behind all of this, bringing us together in this kind of way, to, you know, anonymously telling us this information ahead of time, 
and now continuing, you know, the Cash Patels of the world, the Devin Nunez's of the world, um, Greg Phillips of the world, they're still telling us, look, <laughs> stay patient, keep moving the needle. You know, the wheels of justice definitely does move slow, but um, I do. I do believe we're going to get justice in some form. I just don't, don't know, you know, is it a John McCain state funeral? Does that, does that, I'll take that. <laughs> Go ahead, let the media fawn over these morons for another state funeral, but hey, they're gone, right? John McCain is not gone for no reason. John McCain is involved, is gone because he is the main person who, as part of that ethics committee investigation that we talked about earlier, is one of the ones at the Senate Armed Services Committee who helped push this collusion narrative and the rhinos of the world. So, you know, think you think John McCain's gone for because of what they told us? Hell no. <clears throat> Every diesel truck made after 2010 needs needs to run. Chemical control by BlackRock. Oh, I know. <laughs> we had a <clears throat> last year when there was that power outage in Texas, it also knocked out the the main plant that feeds that makes that uh, special chemical for diesel gas and for um, you know other gas too. I'm with you, oil, all that stuff, fertilizer. I hear you. That's a very good point. Um, I jumped on me. Sorry. Uh, Johnny B, that's a very good point, brother. And this fertilizer, you see the fertilizer prices? Uh, farmers, uh, average price farmers are paying for fertilizer is $175,000 more. So <laughs> food prices are only on their way up to skyrocketing. That's why everyone's saying, hey, now's the time to stock up on as much as you can. And also go local. Get out of the supermarkets and find local suppliers. That's next on my list for sure. Looks like, uh, is that Sheriff Lamb back there? I think so. Your phone is too old. The battery dies in 10 minutes. (laughs) Time for an upgrade. Hey, I got an idea for you. I'm working on I was going to try to save this until I, I see if I can uh, get the sponsor. If you're looking for a phone upgrade, um, check out Liberty Ghost Phone. Just you have to search the internet for it. Liberty Ghost Phone. It, uh, I think it's libertyblockchain.com. I'm going to reach out to them and see if I can line up a potential sponsorship with them. Liberty ghost phone. It's a, it's a new secure style phone system that, that doesn't use normal networks. So looks very intriguing. I wanted to do some more research on it before I share it with you. So again, always do your own research, but Hey, keep me up buttercup. How are you today? Buy food and then well, buy more food. <laughs> hey, Chris, good to see you over there on, on uh, Facebook. Thank you for that. Warrior heroes. Indeed. Uh, don't turn on me. Sorry, but if you believe most are dead already, you have been being misled and used against our credibility. Oh, yeah. Saying that Hillary's dead already and all that shit. I, 
I lose. You know, you know how much audience I lose. Don't trend on me for not going down those roads and and just like scoffing at people who bring that crap to me. Hey, if you're stupid enough to believe that Hillary Clinton's actually dead or in Gitmo, I can't help you, and I don't want you in my audience. Go fucking take a hike and go watch the JFK Jr. crowd. That's the way I think about it. I, you know, or listen. That that would be preferable. Actually, you know, listen. Don't don't come into people's chats trying to spin narratives and send it, you know, plead uh, seed stories that are garbage. That would be an amazing concept. It's obvious who the operatives are. Um, and we've done a pretty good, effective job here on this on this channel of uh, of staying away from that shit. You know what I'm saying? Hey, Sean, it's 93 there and 66 tomorrow. You know, it's the same thing's happening here. It's like 85 today, and it's going to be a high of uh, 70, I think, either tomorrow or the next day. We have eight people on Facebook watching right now. Wow, that's pretty good for this show on Facebook. It is. Some of my maybe with some of my fans out there lurking. Good to see you guys out there. Hey, Joe, good to see you. Uh, people who say Q is hoping and don't understand what the movement is about. Uh, absolutely. Thank you for the uh, for the cam, bro. I hope all is well. Hope you had a good weekend. Um, you know the Dillies of the world. I, I I love Dilly. You know, but I don't I don't really like like his presentation. I don't like the way he has it has the whole world figured out. And anyone who who disagrees with him is is a moron or whatever or a Q-tard. Um, I think I think a lot of people completely miss what the Q op was for and what it does and how it is still very effective. Um, but that's fine. Let them let them do that, right? <laughs> Why do I think she's alive? Why do you think she's dead? <laughs> There's literally no evidence. I mean, I don't know, man. Tac two sixty four Sussman not guilty to lying to the FBI can still be indicted for RICO and conspiracy independently. Hey, Tac two sixty four, that's a good point. That's a really good point, Tac two sixty four. Thank you for the can, Don. Thank you for the cookie. Thanks, guys. I appreciate your guys' support. Can't do this without you. Um, I'll assume they're alive unless proven otherwise. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where I'm where I'm at too, Doctor J Blazer. There's, I mean, if you looked at the presentations that show Hillary's being dead and they're different people, it's garbage. So. I mean, you can choose to want to believe it, you know, and say, yeah, I think they're different people, but it's not, it's not compelling at all <laughs> to me. So to each his own though, you know, maybe JFK Jr. is alive. <laughs> Sean, Joe, thanks, bro. Justin Scotus blocks PA counting ballots without a date. Interesting. There was also on a Scotus ruling um, today that I was going to try to get to, um, Oh, the carbon tax crap that that uh, the Biden administration is bringing back. They're going to bring back that carbon tax shit, or at least try to. Thanks to the Supreme Court. It's, you know, again, you know how it goes. I don't have to. The court rules um, based on legality, not on what you want to happen. <laughs> That's been one hell of a battle, hasn't it? Has it not, Glenn? Trying to make people understand that just because you don't like the ruling doesn't mean that judges are corrupt. <laughs> There's the legal system is in shambles right now. The tort for tort reform that this country needs is, is huge, but you know, that's, that's too much of a in-depth discussion. It's easier just to go. The whole legal system is corrupt. Of course you look around and it's pretty clear that it is. So I (laughs) think president Trump is like, yeah, well, try working within it. Right. President Trump. And tell me it's not. I mean, they, you know, the whole Mueller team has been uh, 
setting people up using the FBI for a very long time. So this thing is probably going to keep doing this, probably going to keep buffering, which blows. Um, do we know how many jurors were falling? Yes, I did not see a juror count. That's a good point, Sitka. Sitka. I was wondering that too. I was wondering if they were going to show that, but all you needed was one, and they had, you know, they had their plant there. So, um, who cares? News. How many rulings did you and I argue about? Every single one of them, <laughs> and I want them all. <laughs> not teasing. No, uh, I, probably every single one of them. Cause I I would go back to Renquist, and I don't think were you were you a big fan? Now, I can't remember exactly, Glenn. I was trying to remember if you were a fan of Renquist or not. While Renquist wasn't a total originalist, I really appreciated the way he viewed things via precedent and with, um, you know, the original originalism view of it. Because I'm an originalist, but the truth is we don't live in an originalist court system, right? So we have to. We have to live in that reality. So for me, I've always tried to stay focused on that. And this thing is just not going to, it's, they're going to attack this. They're not going to allow this information to come out. It's going to buffer everywhere. <clears throat> not sure where the grand, yeah, the grand jury, you might be right. They might not, they may not put it out there because it's a grand jury. Sicko. That's a good point. Uh, what do you know, Joe? Oh, <laughs> hey, what do you know, Joe? <laughs> Abolition is a good strategy by Durham. Make them take positions now that will screw themselves later. Yeah. yeah. Very true. It assuming we get justice, right? Man, come on, dude. Every time, you know what I'm saying? Every time that anything important comes out, you think you can just go stream it? No, man. You're 15 minutes late. Let's get let's get the show on the road right here, huh? The spinning wheel of death. Thank you, Joel. Oh, oh, what do we have here? Taking so long is because we have some grandstanding going on up on the floor. <laughs> Democrats that are looking to pass a bill, bring a bill forward, suspend the rules, and bring their gun control bill to the floor. And now each of them are... So they're each explaining their votes, so we're going to have to wait for that. I apologize for this taking long and, and being late, but this is what happens. And as soon as we're done, we'll come down here and get started, okay? Thank you. Thank you. Senator Kelly Towns has given us an update that the, there's some shenanigans being happening on the floor. And they're trying to get bills. They're trying to do a bill right now. Um, <laughs> a gun control bill. Oh, man. Yeah, this is direct from the uh, Senate floor or the, the hearing floor, hearing room. I know, Brian, a gun control bill now. Of course it is. Hey, Marauder, did you see the prank uh, Georgie Bushy talking to Zelensky? It shows the real douchebag Bushy is. Yeah, I did see that, Marauder. Oh, man. It's just... You know, and the funny thing is, is... Yeah, I'm not going to go there. Um, 
I, I was I was a very effective messenger for the for um the Bush family. And talk about just getting backstabbed after backstabbed. Politics is a dirty game. They don't really care. Nobody really cares about what's best for anything. It's all about power. Sad world we live in. I think the, didn't the Romans have a problem with that? <laughs> so rare that a delay is explained. Glad she did so. I know. Senator Kelly Townsend has been getting a lot of flack lately by a lot of different people. Let's go check in with breaking news, huh? Let's go over to my telegram, see what's going on. All over the airports, the elites are telling us their next move, the coming food catastrophe in The Economist today. Nice. Uh, Let's see. Instrumentarialism. The weaponization of devices against the people to achieve social domination. Huh. This I got to see. Hold on. Let me make sure you guys can see this. Here we go. This is uh, the, the, the Vigilant Fox, a minute and 30 seconds. Instrumentarianism. Now, totalitarianism was a, a political project that converged with, the, with economics to overwhelm, let's say, society, and it would get, the, let's say, the citizen on all sorts of levels in which they really either believed it or had to believe it, and there was only one way. Whereas instrumentarianism, as, as described by Zubov, is a, is a market project that converges with the digital to achieve its own unique brand of social domination. So in a way, these instruments that we use, uh, being uh, smartphones, being apps, being Google, being Apple, being Facebook, Twitter, these instruments uh, start to mold us without we even really realizing that they're doing that. And that's called mm-hmm. instrumentarianism. So it's not as blatant as totalitarianism. You know, you don't have to wave some kind of flag with, you know, your totalitarian symbol and wear special clothes, maybe they black or, or red. You don't really have to do that. All you need to do is be using Facebook all the time and it will happen. You will be part of an instrumentarian society. Because what, what, how you're behaving is being, um, in a way, steered by someone else. It's a big club, and you ain't in it. <laughs> it's a big club, and we ain't in it. That's a really good, um, really good explanation of the weaponization of devices against the American people. Everyone's like, I got nothing to hide. I got nothing to hide. You don't realize how you are being manipulated. That's what's more important. Uh, don't trend on me. So the food crisis will be blamed on aliens, and I'm sure inflation is because of Putin. <laughs> right? Uh, DC Inquirer, award-winning actor Kirk Cameron scalds public school system for grooming and critical race theory instruction. Interesting. Sean Joe, thank you, brother. Daisy Change, thank you for the can as well. Uh, let's see here. Babylon B. Gavin Newsom can't understand how he got COVID when all his servants are masked. <laughs> Uh, uncovered DC crisis on the rails, pilots flying CEO on rail mandates and fuel costs uncovered DC. Yeah. I'm going to have to get them. I, I found all my business cards finally that I, that I packed up. I got all those. So I'm going to start getting some interviews lined up. Finally. Uh, let's see. Captain K's out there. He is where's where's where in the world is captain K today? Uh, not sure. 
he's out there though, still doing hard work. Uh, let's see, live from the Arizona Senate. Lots of lots of people play showing the RSBN feeds. Carrie Lake, uh, there. Uh, in your best estimate and your worst estimate. Yeah, I I think my estimate is that this is phase two. Two thousand mules was phase one. This presentation is going to be phase two, and I've been given to understand that later in July we'll see phase three. Now, I've characterized today as a 10 megaton bomb. Perhaps only four or five megatons this summer. Uh, once they, because understand what they're doing right now is they're crunching a lot of data. A penta, whatever a penta is, that much data, and they're detailing everything that they can within Maricopa, Pima, and Yuma counties. Keep in mind, so we have 15 some, counties here. So, so what we're going to hear today isn't just what we already saw in in, truth, or in, in Dinesh's movie. It's going to be bigger. It's my understanding that they're going to recap what the the whole concept. You know that they're able to track people. That they're going to recap the data, and then there is new that is going to be presented. I mean, everybody in this mo- in in this room, everybody that's sitting on the panel, I'm pretty sure has already seen 2,000 mules. So it doesn't make a lot of sense that they're going to recap 2,000 mules here. That tells me, and Greg just smiled, Greg Phillips just smiled when I said, we've got something new, and said, pop some popcorn. So pop some popcorn. Senator Finnecum, or Fincham, Finnecum, I'm not sure how to say his name, um, giving us a little nugget there. <laughs> Mark Finnecum says, pop some popcorn. All right. Uh, you guys got the popcorn popped? Uh, enjoy your dinner, Joe. <clears throat> How did I do that? Oh, yeah. That's right. uh, Becker News. Explosive audio shows Hunter Biden discussing the business dealings with the fucking spy chief of China. And we covered that last couple weeks as well. Uh, that stuff's still getting the groundwork laid for something bigger there. Hopefully the Delaware inv- indictment is going to be coming down soon. You're sick of popcorn shows you. Oh, man. Stay strong. Stay strong. And trust me. Trust me. The future is bright. Ukraine's unicorn LGBTQ shoulders soldiers head for war. <laughs> A unicorn patch. Nice. Uh, Dodo camera footage shows a moment. A turkey jumped into action to defend her chicks. <laughs> Those turkeys can be brutal. I want to chase me around one time over here. <laughs> Istanbul, Turkey man wearing a Grim Reaper costume sets himself on fire. That's good to hear. Paul Pelosi, arrested with DUI. They got that covered. And firefighters from the L.A. responding to a hazardous material situation in Exposition Park. Some news from break from um, police frequency. The Uvalde School District Police Chief Pete Arend- Arendando has not responded in two days to a request from Texas Rangers asking for a follow-up interview regarding the mass shooting. Hmm. Interesting. Why wouldn't he? What's, he's got something to hide there, buddy? What, what's, what's wrong? Let's see. Let's check in with the Washington Pundit here. Kavanaugh and ACB joined Roberts and stabbing conservatives in the back again. Once again, sometimes there are rulings that you may not like that don't mean that they're stabbing you in the back. The legal system is a disaster. It's so freaking ridiculous, dude. Stop the stop along the Federalist Society to select Republican. <laughs> That's not the problem. 
Oh, God. I was wondering where that shit came from. There's that whole segment that is just completely clueless on the law, what they think they're lawyers. I mean, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, but I, can, I understand the, the way our legal system has been destroyed. <sighs> whatever. Whatever, whatever, whatever. $5,000 bail, pocket change for Pelosi. I know, right? I bought an Amish County popcorn kernels. Ooh, that does sound good. That's a good idea. That's all there is from Telegram right now. We'll check in back with them. That's pretty interesting for Mark uh, Finnecom, though. If I'm saying that right. Just spoke to the news of Sussman getting off. Uh, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm, I'll rewind. Yeah, hey, Bales. Um, from across the pond, it's good to see you. Uh, th- yeah, if it, it's worth your time. The first, uh, actually, I think it took me 15 minutes to get the show going. But after that, about uh, 15 minutes, uh, three articles that you're going to want to hear. Or um, check just check my social media for the Margot Cleveland one. All the evidence that was introduced. And Technofog hit the nail on the head, too. All the evidence that was introduced. Fincham, thank you. Thank you, Brian. I want to make sure I get that right. I met him one time. I got a chance to meet him, and I had to stop him from going into the event. And they were not happy. Senator Borelli was not freaking happy with me. But, hey, sorry, you have to have a pass. That's how this goes. I don't care who you are. That's what I was told. That's what you get told. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, Senator Borelli was, he's a former Marine, and he, and he didn't know I was a Marine. And I was like, Semper Fi, brother. And he was like, fuck you, basically. <laughs> I'm sorry to to delay you by five minutes having to stand outside because I don't know who you are and I, you have to have a pass to get into the door. <sighs> Air popper? Nice. I used to have one of those. Not, one, not like the theater ones, but the mini air poppers, you know, the old school ones, they don't make them like they used to. Have you noticed that? That popcorn is just not the same as it used to be? What is with that? How can we can we go back to the old style popcorn when I was a kid? That old, that old good stuff that you'd pop it in and it tasted good. Now it tastes like air. Rum infused popcorn. Hmm. You got a recipe? I'll try it. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, knock my socks off. All my links are going to be on Gab, True Social, and Telegram. And um, Cloud Hub, too. I, put, I get them out there as far as possible. A petabyte of data. Should we do a quick dig? How much is a petabyte of data? <clears throat> it's GMO. You're probably right. What is a petabyte? A petabyte is a measure of memory or storage capacity. It is equal to 2 to the 50th power of bytes. There are 1,024 terabytes in a petabyte or 1 million gigabytes, and approximately 1,024 petabytes make up an exasabyte. So there you go. That's what a petabyte is. <laughs> 1 million gigabytes. How much information could it actually hold? When a customer says to me, hey, I've got two petabytes of tape data I need to move it's time to talk about the physics of a petabyte and what that really means and how long to move it sometimes this data has been protected backed up how big is a petabyte a petabyte data 
is equivalent to a thousand terabytes or a million gigs of data storage. To put this in perspective, here are some of the comparisons of world examples. 11,000 4K movies. It would take you over two and a half years of nonstop binge watching to get through a petabyte worth of 4K movies. 20,000 plus petabytes of data in the Library of Congress. If you took a petabyte worth of one gig flash drives and lined them up end to end, they would stretch over 92 football fields. 4,000 digital photos every day for the rest of your life is a petabyte of data. Oh, uh, there you go. <laughs> what does a petabyte look like in the real world? A lot. You have <laughs> 1. 1.1. Yeah, I can't. I don't even know what that is. Then you have ex- So you have terabytes. Okay, it goes bytes, kilobytes, megabytes, gigabytes, terabytes, petabytes, exabytes, zettabytes, and yottabytes. Watch out for those Yoda bites. To Yoda or not to Yoda? That is the question. Can we can we kick this off already, please? I got shit to do here, huh? I got dinner to cook. Oh, by the way, the dinner I cooked last night was delicious. Did you guys see that? Yeah, I'll show you what I cooked for dinner last night. It was a different recipe. I can't remember what it was called, actually. It was called um, Ford's something. That. Here, let me find it. There it is. Turned out pretty good. My, my mashed potatoes kind of were a little bit not quite right, but it was pretty tasty. I've never heard of a... So I went and bought the stuff I needed for it, and, I, and the, price, the total came to 11.11. <laughs> so, of course, I had to get that out there. But here's the recipe. It's, it's, it's worth a try. It's beef eye round steak. So my wife, I'm like, hey, buy some steaks. And where did she buy beef eye round steaks? Which notoriously, if you try cooking beef eye round steaks on a grill or in the normal way, you get a hockey puck. <laughs> so in the guise of not eating a hockey puck for dinner last night, slow simmered it. I beat the hell out of it, first of all, with a mallet. I... um marinated it in half uh, olive oil, half red wine, and a few spices and some Worcestershire for about two hours. It could have used overnight, to be honest. Um, so if you next time you get if you get one, a beef eye round steak, marinate it overnight in an, in an acidity mixture with olive oil. And then um, drain, you know, got it, got it real dry. And then... Uh, some basically real simple, just uh, some crushed or some, uh, uh, what do you call it? Pepper, not just, you know, fresh pepper or whatever, and some thyme, and then a little bit of, I use too much flour. You just need to, you, need to, you know, th- splash some, 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 uh, hour. <laughs> some flour on it, and then you take it out of the pan, and then you get everything else in there, and then you simmer it. And that's right as I, I just got it simmering there. I meant to take a video of it after, but it was I was eating. It was really good. And the Vidalia onions, sweet onions, turned out amazing after simmering for I had I had it simmer an hour and a half instead of an hour. You're pro, you could almost let this simmer for two hours. And then you can also thicken the gravy. I, I decided to leave it as the recipe said, but next time I think I will thicken the gravy a little bit. But the other reason why I didn't thicken it is because when you use cornstarch to thicken gravy, it 
the next day or the, the, the warm up when you warm it up, it just doesn't come out right. You know? So I'd rather have her, my wife, when she has it for dinner, cause I always cook extra. So she has lunches. Um, it turned out pretty good. I, I, I liked it. It was something very different and I'm probably going to have it again today. It's pretty tasty. So it is, it was the, um, beef eye of round. It's a, it's the ass of a cow. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it's not like, anyways, uh, you know, that, that part of the ass, but, um, it's, uh, it's mostly muscular must, you know, mostly muscle in the cow and the ass of a cow, you know, so kind of tough, not a lot of fat. So if you, uh, slow simmer it, uh, for a while, it was pretty good though. It, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't cook it perfect the first time I did it, but the next time I cook it, it's going to be really good. Cause I'm going to send, I'm going to let it marinate overnight. And then I'm going to beat the hell out of it again before I flour it. Yeah. Flour and butter roux. Um, I, I, but I like to, I like to simmer that with it for at least a good half hour or so. And I didn't have the time <laughs> I should have done it. You know, I didn't want to wait around for another half hour and I didn't. So I, yeah, but it's, it was still really good. And it's the first time I used, um, what is it called? Uh, beef consume. Have you ever heard of beef consume? I had to do research on it to see what the hell it is. It is beef broth perfection in France, in French. So it is a, a different way to, to produce beef broth that it was really good. I'll use beef consume when the next time I make um, a prime rib style, you know, au jus. Uh, the next time I want an au jus, I'm going to use beef consume instead of just beef stock. Big difference for sure. Big difference. Big flavor profile difference and much tastier. And uh, it will definitely turn out a, a, a great gravy if you thicken it. Yeah. Mashed potatoes to thicken the gravy as it simmers? Really? Hmm. I will have to try that. That is interesting. You grew up on that chopstick? Yeah, basically. Yeah. It was really good. It was, it's a, it's worth your time. If you want that recipe, it's on my true social, but, uh, um, you can just look up, you know, President Ford's braised eye round steak. And the brazing worked perfect, too. I used the bur- burgundy, cranked the, the, the skillet up, and then dumped the red, the red wine on it and let it just... <sighs> braising it worked really good. And that, that helped the flavor in it, too. And the red wine sauce was not overpowering. You know, once, once you... If you braise it right, you get all that alcohol flavor out of it, and then it just turns into a nice mixture with that beef consume. Consume beef consume in chili beans. Interesting. RPL for you. RP4. I'll get to see you, man. We're still waiting on this damn thing. I, you know, like they said, they're playing some shenanigans. I don't know if you guys heard. They're playing some shenanigans in, in the Senate floor right now, trying to stop this hearing, I guess. But I'm going to, we're going to play the whole thing. So, you know, hang out. Red wine's a migraine. Yeah, that's why you got to cook it right. You get all the get all the alcohol out of it, and you just get the the nice flavor with uh, the beef consuming. It is a nice flavor profile. It would be a delicious gravy just using that. Those two, like I would do, I would do shallots. I would um, I would do shallots and some garlic. Get those nice and soft, right? And then I would simmer it with. Uh, if you wanted to just make a gravy. Uh, I would simmer it with some half beef consomme and half burgundy wine. Just just when you put the burgundy wine in, make sure you do it with the 
onions and, and stuff in there and get that kind of flamed up real boiling real good for two, three, four, five minutes. You'll, you can tell when the, the, the smell kind of goes away and then it just kind of turns into a simmering um, pot and a simmering, you know, liquid and then add the, the uh, beef consume in thicken it. It would be a delicious gravy. Let that simmer for about an hour and a half or so. I'm telling you, that would be a delicious, delicious gravy. You have about a half gallon of ham juice for gravy. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a really good idea. I, w- I would love to start doing that. Start having, start saving more stuff like that. I, that's the one thing I'm not handy at is like if I want to, if I have a bunch of like, uh, you know, fat or, or something like that is, is finding ways to save it so I can use it in the future and then remembering that I have it so I can use it in the future. <laughs> I got to get all that stuff worked out. I, I just use fresh ingredients all the time. You know what I mean? Cause I, yeah. Spirico said, I use bottom round steak to make Swiss steak. You can cook it in a cast iron pot in the oven with peppers and onions comes out. So tender. That does sound good. Bottom round is a, is a nice cut to simmer for a while too. Chicken pot pie last week and had an extra cut and made a rustic apple pie. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Shelly. I bet that was delicious. You have a recipe book that's a treasure. <laughs> I um I I I always try something different. I I'll look for like official chef recipes and I'll I'll mix it up a little bit, you know? But um I've become a I've become a pretty good chef. I've become a pretty good cook over the years. I I rarely screw something up anymore. The ribs I made last weekend were freaking perfect. I haven't lost that recipe. <laughs> that nice spice with the uh, with the glaze is man, can't beat it, dude. I'm making myself hungry, Elder the Hun. <laughs> I finally cleaned my smoker out because I only been using my smoker to smoke meat, so you know, slow cook it indirect. And so I had like I don't know, the whole bottom of the grill was just covered in delicious, <laughs> you know pork fat and uh so i had to clean that thing out carefully because you know i don't know if you try to start try, started trying to fire in uh in pork fat but you can get a quite a hell of a fire going quick <laughs> like burning down a house fire quick so i finally got that set so i can do some indirect inside the smoker side of it and uh did some in, indirect um chicken breasts that were freaking amazing And tonight I was planning on, but it's getting so, getting so late now to do uh, um, smoked Cornish hens. I was going to butterfly some Cornish hens and smoke them for about two hours tonight. Probably going to do that uh, tomorrow. I love pork butt roast. I absolutely love it. Problem is a 10 pound. I usually get them. You can only get the smallest ones you can get are usually like between eight and 10 pounds. So you're talking... It takes me what 14, 15 hours usually to get to get about a ten pound pork butt done, but it's worth the time, that's for sure. I've been meaning to do that too, Brian. Put a drip tray and actually catch it. Yeah. RP four L, glad to be here. Just finished up with RP's interview with Cash. Oh, nice. Gotcha. I was gonna check that out later on tonight too. Beef consume is me eating beef. <laughs> That's your version of French, huh? Beef consume. 
Forget the May. Just beef consume. Meat, eat meat. Man, eat meat. <laughs> uh, the abolitionists. Uh, have we ever met? I gotta. I want to shake your hand someday. I thoroughly enjoy your <laughs> your content in chat, my friend. Oh man, there's that article from the Washington Pundit: the Who forced in, in the humiliating humiliating back down. You know what? This is the the audio is going to come back on. I am going to read that real quick while we're waiting. Instead of me just spinning my wheels here. Because I think that's that's a pretty important article. This is from onenation.org.au. <clears throat> Who is forced into a humiliating backdown? Brilliant news out of Geneva today. As most of you know, the World Health Assembly has spent the past seven days considering Biden's 13 controversial amendments to the international health regulations. Official delegate Biden's. <laughs> As Biden looked at it and go, what is this? Uh, how about Obama's controversial international health regulations? Official delegates from wealthy developed nations like Australia, the United Kingdom, and the United, United States spoke in strong support of the amendments and urged other states to join them in signing away their country's sovereignty. The first sign, however, that things might not be going the way the globalist way came on Wednesday, the 25th of May, which just so happened to awful be Africa Day. Botswana read a statement on behalf of 47 Afro members saying that they would be collectively withholding their support for the reforms, which many African members were very concerned about. Multiple other countries said they had reservations over the changes and would not be supporting them either. Those included Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, Iran, Malaysia. Brazil in particular said it would exit the WHO altogether rather than allow its population to be made subject to the new amendments. In the end, the World Health Organization is a, and its wealthy nation supporters were forced to back down. They have not given up, though, far, far, far from it. Instead, they did what they always do. They pivoted. At their request, a new working group was convened to make the technical recommendations on the proposed amendments, which will be resubmitted along with the pandemic treaty at the 77th Health Assembly meeting in 2024. So that's we got it delayed at least. They got it delayed at least. So that's a, that's a good sign because things are going to be very different in 2024 than they are right now. There has also been lots of pushback from Republicans in the United States with a number of them introducing new, new bills, giving the U.S. Congress and Senate powers to override any WHO mandates or directives issued as a part of any international agreements. One called the No WHO Pandemic Preparedness Treaty Without Senate Approval Act has 15... <laughs> No offense, but who the hell named that? The No Who Pandemic Preparedness Tweety Treaty Tweety Without Senate Approval Act <laughs> has 15 co-sponsors and was introduced to the Senate on Thursday by Republican Ron Johnson, who said the sovereignty of the United States is not negotiable. Unquote. Here in Australia, we need to keep things the keep the pressure up on our own parliaments. And both federal and state up the ante and don't ever look sideways. Just brace for the digital ID now. And as the federal parliament reboots, we need to push back at all costs on that from this week moving forward. I urge everyone who has not already done so to sign and share my Queensland parliament petition on the IHR amendments and pandemic treaty linked below. This is from onenation.org.au. So bails, if you're out there still. Spread this out there far and wide with your segment of of, uh, of group of, of amazing patriots out there. Um, you know, uh, take the wins when we get them, right? I mean, come on. 
can we can we celebrate something here today without going the whole world's going to shit and we're all gonna die <sighs> grab that link out there spread that far and wide that's a pretty important one today i see uh, the washington opponent out there grabbing that one and elevating that one as well good news cat the great uh let's see here Ovalde Police School District no longer cooperating with the probe of the shooting. Interesting. The city was part of a federal program using artificial intelligence to combat mass shootings. We covered that, and I thought I found that to be extremely interesting as well, Cat the Great. Indeed. Babylon B has a new one. Hell adds extra hot section for people who bring kids to drag shows. <laughs> extra hot session. Yes, indeed. Breaking news. Supreme Court ruling blocks a Texas law meant to rein in big tech abuse of free speech rights. Don't. And there's another lose. Why America decays the tyranny of self-interest. New Zero Hedge article as well as the Maripol repeat. Russia forces capture most of the last major holdout in Luhansk. As the war still rages in Ukraine. Uh, Just Human dropping a substack on quick thoughts on the Sussman verdict from i don't know who that is usually it's worth the time uh arn grimer uh with a sub stack out there just human uh highlighting that work today uh let's see what's going on with police frequency tornado warning in arkansas city kansas and guayda springs kansas silver springs kansas until 6 15 central if you're in uh kansas heads up you might not be in Kansas anymore. Slide saw activity. <laughs> you did not just say that. Uh, North Carolina authorities announced that the arrest of a man allegedly depicted in surveillance footage hurling Molotov cocktails towards two, search- two churches over Memorial Day weekend. Terry Rain- Wayne Rayford of Fayetteville was arrested and charged with two counts of manufacture, assembly, possession, storage, tra- transportation, sale, purchase, delivery, or acquisition of a weapon of mass destruction. Don't have fun with your jail sentence, buddy. Terry Wayne Rayford. <laughs> They're charging him with tr- transfer, transfer, purchase, sale, t- transportation, assembly, manufacture, two counts of a weapon of mass destruction. Have fun in jail, scumbag. I, I guarantee you he was paid for that shit. And now he's going to be going to jail for the rest of his life, probably. Where are we at here? Senator Townsend, can we get an update? The shenanigans will continue until beatings commence. No, that's not good. Uh, he's a good writer, Johnny B. I gotcha, gotcha. We'll never understand how people don't question why there was an NRA annual meeting shortly after Columbine, just like what happened recently in Texas. No coincidences. Yeah, no doubt. People don't want to believe that that level of evil exists, that you can manipulate somebody into doing something that they believe is the right thing to do to the point where they would murder children. Uh, I mean, I, I get that. It's a hard, re- it's a hard reality to want to accept, right? To allow to allow yourself to accept that somebody would manipulate somebody into doing something so terrible. I get it. And I just reply with evil exists, whether you want to believe it or not. 
Tech 264, why did Russia list John McCain as being blocked from traveling to Russia recently? Very good question. The true collusion is with them, which is why the argument that Putin, you know, is somehow on the side of, of anti-globalism I, falls flat for me because Putin has been working very closely with these globalists for a long time. Maybe now he sees the light. It's possible, I guess. I don't know. Think Africa, they saved us, right? No kidding. It's kind of cool just kind of hanging out with you guys here in ch- with chat, though. I've been meaning to do this for a while. You guys are all sharing recipes and stuff out there on Rumble. Nice. Been making my own recipe. Grew up in Pennsylvania, D- Dutch German. You know what I want? I need to get a Dutch oven. I'd like to start using a uh, Dutch oven more often. I don't have one. Are we on? How do we turn it? Okay, let's all take a seat. Hello. What do we have? We have movement and the spinning wheel of death. (laughs) Politius actually said it the right way, huh? Karen Fan sitting down? Indeed. Just as the feed goes into spin mode. Let's try this one. <laughs> oh, man. Pressure cooker. Those things used to scare the shit out of me. Uh, isn't our, doesn't RSBN have the same feed, or are they there? Are they there live? Are those there who to seek to destroy this republic, this way of life? They seek to bring globalism. They seek to destroy our constitution, Lord. But we look to you, God Almighty, who can and you will look over this country as you have. We prostrate our hearts before you and we ask you to shine the light on what has happened in Arizona, that you would reveal the things that need to be revealed, that you would strengthen those who need to take action. Lord, give them the frame of mind to do what's right to not think of their next election, to not think of their own personal gain, to not try to raise money on the demise of what is all good and right here in this country, but that they would step forward and do what is right based on truth, based on the preservation of our way of life in this country, Lord, that we would preserve and restore our elections, so that a person can cast a ballot and feel confident that their vote is not stolen by a vote cast by someone who should not be casting that vote, Lord. So God, watch over this meeting today. And once again, we thank you for those who bring this information to us and may it be used according to your will. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I pledge of allegiance. 
of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. I'm happy to open this meeting, but truly the person who gets the, the credit for all of this is Representative Shauna Bullock, who has been working with the True the Vote people to bring them here so that they can explain what they have. Thank you, Shauna. And also, every single uh, member in this room, can you please stand, uh, elected officials here at the, at the Senate and the House, please stand. Thank you to all of you. This has been a team effort. This has been a, an amazing time to work with all of you um, and, and all the effort that's gone into this. And all of the patriots out here who have pressed their feet to the fire, thank you for you and your efforts. You deserve the credit the most. Thank you for being here. And I see Congressman Woman Lesko up here up front. Any other elected officials in the room that uh, we didn't have together? Sheriff Lamb. Sheriff Lamb. Thank you, Sheriff. <laughs> All right. So let's get going. I know you guys have been waiting quite a long time. So it feels like the air conditioning is starting to work. So I'm going to hand this over to Representative Shauna Bullock. And then, Shauna, if you can have everyone um, introduce themselves and then we'll get going. Awesome. So I'm going to have Representative Wynn start. Uh, Representative Kwang Wynn, Legislative District 1. Rep <laughs> Representative Tim Dunn, uh, Legislative District 13, from Yuma to Wickenburg. Representative, Representative Walt Blackman, Legislative District 6. Representative Shauna Bullock, uh, Phoenix Glendale, Peoria, District 20. Senator Kelly Townsend, District 16. Excuse me, Senator Kelly Townsend, District 16. Senator Nancy Bartow, District 15. It wasn't on there? Yeah, it wasn't on. District 13. <laughs> so, try again, Senator Bartow. Let's try this. Is it on now? Yep. There you go. Okay, there. Senator Nancy Bartow, District 15. Thank you for being here. <laughs> Senator Cena Kerr, District 13. And we're missing Senator Rick Gray. Um, so hopefully he'll join us soon. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us this afternoon. It is our pleasure to host True the Vote for their informational hearing. so much for all the work that you have done for the past decade or so on this particular issue. 
Uh, it was our pleasure to meet with some of you guys back in December, and obviously whenever you're here recently, whenever you were hopefully filing some uh, data points with some of the law enforcement, we are going to make sure that we have a very tightly run meeting. For those of you who have been in one of my Ways and Means committees, um, I will use the gavel. Uh, if you guys are out of line, we will potentially give you a warning and, and throw you out. Uh, we have guests before us who are testifying, and we need to make sure that they're getting their point across. Unfortunately, I can't see half the room because of this big screen, so uh, hopefully Senator Townsend can keep an eye on the other side of the room. But the point of this hearing, it's an informational hearing. Uh, we want to receive the data that you guys all have so we can hopefully secure our elections across the entire state of Arizona. Volume better. And we really appreciate that you guys made the time to come back. So we're going to turn it over to you all so you can start. Before we do, before we do, we had the Sergeant at Arms ask for an announcement as well, if that's all right. Sure. Okay. So uh, apparently the, the clapping is causing interference with the system. So if you've been in our committee over here in the Senate side, uh, you, you know that we do jazz hands. So if you want to clap, do the jazz hands. I know it's silly, but you can see each other that you all are in agreement, and that will prevent that interruption. And so also no shouting or, you if know, you if you have something that causes jazz you hands, displeasure, punch me please as hard keep as you it can. quiet so we don't have the interference. Right. And then, if you want to go sit down in hearing room three, you have to exit and go around, and you can see another big TV and watch it there. Uh, we love you to be in here if you want to, but if you'd like to, you can go and sit down in that room. You're okay with them standing? Okay, you're okay to stand if you want to stay and stand. But, yes, more comfortable over there, cooler, but you're welcome to stay here. Please proceed. All right, thank you, um Shauna, and thank you for everybody that's, that's come uh, today. Thank you for all of you. Um, this is America, and this is what this... Uh, this, is, this is... I'm overwhelmed by the... just the, the support, and thank you all. My name's Catherine Engelbrecht. Uh, I am the, the founder and president of True the Vote, and... Um, Today we are going to walk you through what we uh, what we what we worked through in in Arizona, and I hope that uh, the way that we present this is very heartfelt, and so I hope that um, it it resonates. And and to my right is Greg Phillips, who managed the the data and research, and will be able to go into that in great detail as well. So, Greg, you want to just introduce yourself? As Catherine said. Um, uh, just coming in here, I mean, if we had to leave right now, I'd feel like we had a success just being with all of y'all. So we appreciate it so much and uh, look forward to sharing a little bit of information with you in hopes that um, maybe we can um, shed enough light on, on some of the challenges that we believe you face with, um, with the drop boxes and beyond in order that um, possibly your debate might be better well-informed. So we'll start by going all the way back to October, late October of 2020. Uh, we had started a, uh, an election integrity hotline in September, and we phones were ringing off the walls. We were getting tens of thousands of calls from people that were everything from, from confused about the process, and we all remember how in 2020 there were so many process changes. Uh, there were so many laws that were being changed uh, by, by fiat, by lawsuit. Um, there was the push towards the mass mail out of ballots. Uh, this was causing a great, a, a great uh, 
great level of confusion. And so in this, in this hotline period, um, we received an awful lot of calls. One of those calls that came in was from uh, a gentleman who lives in Yuma County, Arizona. And he said, I have been watching my community slip away for 22 years. And I've tried to get people to listen, and it doesn't seem like anything ever changes. And so we committed to him that we would listen. And it was shortly thereafter that Greg and his team went down and met for the first time uh, with, uh, with some individuals, um, some of which are going to be featured uh, here in, in the presentation today. Um, and we thought about how to start this presentation and, and kind of came to the conclusion that maybe the best way to start is to let you hear from one of your fellow citizens and her opinion of what's really going on. Whoever's phone is going off, could you turn that off, please? Awesome. Thanks. I really want you guys to hear this. I mean, it, this is... The woman that you're going to hear speaking, um, first time I met her, and it was, it's, it's just left such a, such, a, such a burden on my heart because at the conclusion of our time together, she just sat back in the chair and, and, and just stuck her finger in the air, and she said, round and round and round it goes. And so these are her words. And so with that as a backdrop, we, we began to 
go deeper and deeper into a story that uh, had held uh, in its grips Yuma County and others across the across the state of, of Arizona that um, had some common denominators. Uh, there were nonprofit organizations involved. There were people that we that we began to refer to as, as you all now know as mules, people that are running ballots. And she we resolved to, to try to find a path that we could measure, that we could use in a way that could be useful for law enforcement are selected to, based to on uncover what they're going to vote for, the exploitation of process, office. if in fact there was exploitation. And I think it's really important to um, remember that when we started this, uh, what, we, what we thought was that if, in fact, there was going to be a subversion of process, it seemed that it would likely occur at drop boxes because they were not being well regulated. And in many places, they had just suddenly appeared on the landscape. There were, they were not uh, in, in near the procedural um, order that mailboxes were. There was so much confusion going through the, the communities around COVID and so forth. So we thought, if in fact there was going to be subversion of process, we believed it would be it would be showing up in the drop boxes, and we believed that if if we could prove it, um, this would be something to this would be something to really focus on. And so we we resolved then to look at the ways to prove this, and we went towards uh, a data set that, um, that would ultimately lead us to this sort of calculus. So organized ballot trafficking, uh, we, we expanded this, this project across five jurisdictions, uh, Georgia, but the, greater, the greater Atlanta area, Arizona, the greater Phoenix area, um, Michigan in Wayne County, which is Detroit, uh, Wisconsin, in Milwaukee County and Pennsylvania in Philadelphia County. And we felt like the, the, the appropriate hypothesis would go something like this based on not just the reports that we had had from Arizona but from others across the country, starting with inaccurate voter rolls. And I want to tell you guys that is the gateway to all problems. You must have accurate rolls. And that's a, a broader conversation for a different day, but in... in, in Suffice to say, nationally, our roles are a big problem. So the accuracy or the inaccuracy, as it were, of those roles only feeds problems with mass mail-out ballots. And I'm certain that most people in this room during the 2020 election were very well aware that people were getting more than one ballot, people were not getting ballots, there was an, an awful lot of confusion about this mass mail-out that was fueled by inaccurate roles. Then enter the NGOs. And what we learned here in Arizona was the, the functionality of those NGOs was to receive these ballots. And I know we couldn't really hear the video as well as we would have liked, but in it, she talks about the fact that it's required in certain communities to submit your ballots open and that that's an expectation. The, those NGOs then used the drop boxes, as again you will, you will hear throughout the presentation, um, in a way that we felt uh, could be measured for exploitation. Um, and, and underneath it all, of course, of course is money, which is the, the fuel that keeps, uh, keeps this grift in play. But then the question became, of course, how, how then can we, can we 
isolate these elements well enough to measure whether or not drop boxes were being exploited, whether or not NGOs were involved. So we decided to, to really go all in on a methodology that involves the use of, of ad data that is resident in all of your phones. And so um, if you would, take your phone, and this is going to work on most everybody's phone, type this in, star pound zero six pound, and up will come a series of numbers. Those are ad keys, broadly. And, oh, let me, let me explain that. Yeah, sorry, let me explain it a little bit better. Ma act, do it like you're going to make a phone call. So star, pound, zero, six, pound, and then the green button. Now you with me? So those numbers are... So, yeah, it doesn't always work on every phone in that way, but rest assured, these numbers are deeply embedded in your phone. They are attached to your apps, and this is how... This is how marketing campaigns often work. I'm sure you've all had experiences where you pull into a store and you get a text that there's a certain coupon for, or a discount for, for, for something that you, have, that you have just pulled into the parking lot to, to pick up. Um, this is how law enforcement uh, isolates criminals and witnesses in, in important cases. Uh, this is how... This, this is how digital... DNA is captured. This is how Facebook knows you need duct tape when you walk by an aisle in Home Depot. Maybe a better way to explain this is really what, frankly, what the, uh, the New York Times did. They put together a series of articles back in 2019, and I'm going to switch this around and try to show you. Give me one second, guys. Show you how they put this together. So they put together a, a, a multi-part series that is very helpful in understanding how this data works. And uh, I'm going to pitch it over to Greg to begin to explain how the data came into play. The New York Times did a seven-part story that included, um, as Catherine said, a, a very uh, clear graphical um, representation of the way that we do our work in the way that this type of work is done. Uh, it should be noted for um, any haters that are in the media that we use multiple types of information, and this is one example. So don't, don't tell me it's a map from Moscow or whatever. <laughs> and by the way, Moscow Mules is funny, whether you think it's or not, it is or not. <laughs> so, so someone gave the New York Times um, 50 billion cell phone signals and those signals are stamped with latitude longitude uh, you can even get altitude off of them depending on what you're trying to accomplish and different aggregators of this data do different things and so it's not you might read that that there um, or that we are looking at cell phone signals for example and triangulating around different cell phone towers uh, this is not that, and and we're we're probably not going to answer that question much anymore. Um, so what they did was they took it and they took all these signals and they mapped them 
Um, and Catherine, if you'll roll through a little bit, you'll, you'll see that these are in different places. Uh, this is Santa Monica. Um, and so the, the, each signal uh, has the different latitude, longitude. If, actually, if you go slow, it'll come up. But they're Pentagon, obviously. Um, we'll, we'll send you this, uh, this link so you can actually see what's going on with it. I'm gonna, gotta, Let me just scroll down. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to scroll down. That's Mar-a-Lago. And in the next article, they actually track President Trump going from Mar-a-Lago to play golf and then back again. And claim and claim that it's accurate down to where his Secret Service people are. Well, the but media yet, use it. They to can't seem to find a way to understand to kill. That, that tracking these no, crimes. No, we can't talk about that. Is, um, is appropriate in this way. So the other key thing that that we gain from this is a timestamp, and by evaluating these in aggregate, it allows us to to link the who to the when to the where and then put those signals in some sort of order and map them. It's basically, a, it's, it's math. Um, Catherine, if you'll roll through slowly. This is a really good example. This is Central Park. And imagine we were trying to identify someone or something, a unique device ID that is near a particular incident that happened in Central Park. <laughs> so we would go through a series of calculations, algorithms, um, and changes to come up with that stuff right there and come up with that one person so that signals telling us all sorts of things that star pound zero six pound uh, those are but a few of the um, device ids and unique device ids that that you'll see in um in your phone or that you may not see in your phone there's also something called a maid m-a-i-d um, the MAID gives a whole new plethora of information and potentially we have the ability to gather, depending on the origin of the signal or the, from whom we buy the signal, uh, we can tell what websites they're on, we can tell who they're, who they're communicating no with, Neither um, did DoorDash. and we can tell other um, interesting tidbits about this person's life, and here's how we do it. So once we have that, then we can go back through, where else has this person been? in New York. Remember, this is all the New York Times signals, the same people who said this is impossible. And once you, stop right there. And then once you get here and we've linked all of these signals together, and we've linked their locations together, their times together, we can then build what we call a pattern of life. And as that pattern of life emerges, so then we can track that individual or track that unique device ID. And boom, there you go. That's how we do what we do. Uh, that's one of the ways. So, so this technology is um, is uh, common for um, Sheriff Lamb and some of the work that they do. It's common with Craig Sawyer and some of the work he does. And having the ability to do this and do this at scale is extremely difficult they had 50 billion pings or signals we had 10 trillion signals so 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 scaling all of this was was super important we also recognized uh, because we've been around for a while that that the haters would ultimately come out and so um we established several different um locations from which we were doing doing our um, our research that, that proved to be providential 
the day that the movie was released, Mississippi State University, because they received some uh, banging around from the AP in uh, open records, wondering what we were doing in our office there, canceled our lease. It, it's all right, though. They, they fell into our trap. <laughs> We 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 weren't we weren't doing this work there. Um, we were we were uh, storing some data there, but we weren't doing the actual analysis, and they canceled us for no reason. The conceptually, this this then is I think a little bit easier to understand. Um, we geofence, if you will, around drop boxes. We geofence around known. Um, or any uh, the places we've been advised that might might be uh, trafficking ballots, like nonprofits and the like. And then we build the patterns of life around these people. And we, as we begin to aggregate it, we start skinnying it down. Uh, we had millions of unique devices. And as we began to skinny it down in Maricopa and in Yuma County, uh, in particular, uh, you begin to see where and when a, an individual device intersects with the fence around that box. One of the most important things to understand is the difference between accuracy and precision. I've not seen one article from anyone that adequately or properly defines it, but it's an important distinction. Accuracy in this instance really is the accuracy of the actual signal itself like how how likely is it that from from a risk perspective that any one individual signal is is you know off the mark a little bit there's been a lot of noise out there that you can only get within 40 feet or some idiocy you know it's just it's just crazy um so what what we did was we we or what we do is we take three different types of signals and we buy them from different different brokers that catalog them from different devices, but yet still stamped with the when and the where, the the when the when to the where, and then we identify the individual the individual device ID to the who. And that gives us on an individual basis the ability to make a decision: is this um, ping accurate? How close is how close is this? My phone here or is it here? The, the differential or the, the methods in which we smooth that out or we tease that out are proprietary, but they are incredibly accurate. The United States government, the United States military can measure down to within two centimeters. So, so the very idea that, you know, you, I think somebody wrote, the New York Times or someone wrote, well, you can tell that they're walking down the street, but you can't see which side of the street they're on. Utter nonsense. It's complete nonsense. They're asking the wrong questions. Hey, Snowden. Uh, they're asking the wrong people. Uh, and they're, um, if these articles got are the being information, written that'd be by, a problem, wouldn't it? by journalistic terrorists. So, can you repeat that last line? Yeah, the, the, the articles are being written by journalistic terrorists, of which I think there's probably one or two in this room. I just want to make sure everybody heard that. Um, this quote that's up on the screen here, and I don't, I don't have my glasses on, so, so I'm going to let Catherine read it. Go. 
You want to pull that to you? So this is, um, we, we, came, we became very familiar with this court case. This was heard at the Supreme Court, um, and this was the uh, majority opinion uh, written by Chief Justice Roberts. And the case was Carpenter v. U.S., and it, and it was taking a look at uh, privacy issues around the use of this type of data. And in that case, they, they very um, clearly defined what citizens and, and the sort of a civilian use of this type of data can be and what government and law enforcement can can use relative to this data. And and so we used that as a guideline because we wanted to make sure that we were so, tried to be so conscientious about um, creating a, 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 a data set that would be useful for law enforcement but that wouldn't cross over any lines because there's so much that's available. We, we wanted to make sure that we were properly composing everything. But this is, a, this is a, an important quote, and, and Greg, since you don't have your glasses, I'll read it to you. Um, uh, when the government tracks the location of a cell it's phone... It's really a trick. I can read it. She just... <laughs> When the government tracks the location of a cell phone, it achieves near-perfect surveillance, as if it had attached an ankle monitor to the phone's user. Now, look, we, we also, just as a, as a practical matter, I understand that's a pretty creepy thought. But, friends, it's happening. It's happening on all of our phones, which are attached to us at almost all times. And so... Our choice to use commercially available data to point out the exploitation of a certain element of our electoral process um, was, was done and done in a way that law enforcement can use it, that respects the privacy of all parties involved. But it was the way to prove that election fraud is real. And for that reason, this data was a critical element. I w and, and frankly, when we started the project, we had no, we didn't know. I mean, maybe we would have done this and found nothing. And you know, that would have been okay. Check that box. There, there was no exploitation. But as many of you, I'm sure, have heard, we, we began to, to think through what is a, what is a realistic expectation or a realistic um, threshold for, for when going to a Dropbox too many times is really too many times. Is it, is it twice? Is it three times? Is it four times? Is it five times? Because we wanted to focus on a very clear, narrow data set that showed what we would consider sort of this extreme outlier behavior. And ultimately, we settled on ten times. The, the devices that we focused in on went to Dropboxes 10 or more times. And here in Arizona, they went an average of 21 times. The, the importance of this is when you think about data like a, think about it like a bell curve, right? Our, most of our lives are really like a bell curve. If you think about the, 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 the preponderance of the population coming right in that, that sweet spot, that heart of the curve, we're talking about an outlier group on the far right of the scale. 
there's, there's no other explanation, and we can get into the statistical probabilities around why this is true. We can get into the quality control around why we know what we did is accurate, and we are glad to do that in any level of depth. But suffice for this purpose and for this time to say, the outlier population set, the outlier set was so extreme that it, it warrants very serious consideration, and it's one of the things that we hope that this body before us will take into consideration. So here's what the Arizona data set looked like. We had over a trillion mobile device signals. And Greg, you want to describe what a signal or a ping is? Yeah, the, the, your phone, uh, those numbers, or those, um, uh, when you pulled up those numbers earlier, and depending on what you're doing on your phone, it sends different signals for different things. Like if you occasionally you might be out and you get an amber alert or something like that, how do they get it to your phone? Well, that's how they get it to your phone. What's interesting about this situation is that once we know a device ID, um, we not only can track that device ID, um, but we can communicate with that device. And, and it's for the same reason. The, the, just like if you're in Spain and, and you're out for a walk on the Camino de Santiago and, and Catherine calls you and says, where are you? Um, and it finds you out on the Camino and that's how it finds you. It, it, the, 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 the web of signals are so significant and your phone is sending regular pings to say, hey, here I am, I'm, you know, I'm in Leon, or whatever, uh, is how, how all that comes together. So the import of the number of these pings, it, it, it can't be overstated how important it is to not do what the New York Times did, to not just say we've got 50 billion pings and we're going to make all these assumptions that, that President Trump is, happens to be driving from here to here. My guess is they did exactly what the Department of Justice did to the January 6th um, uh, participants, and that was get Google data only. The challenge with getting Google data only, and I think there are, the court has acknowledged, I think, close to 50 people that are in jail to, to this day because of this. Um, but the, the import of having multiple signals from which to operate and then their origin coming from multiple places, whether it be your app or whether it be just a phone signal that's sending out, hey, here I am, um, could be a different set of signals from Wi-Fi or from Bluetooth or um, somebody was telling me earlier that they, they found it, they found one of their ear pods that they had lost in a restaurant and they didn't find it until they came back to the same restaurant like a week or a, a week or so later and that was from a Bluetooth signal that was being sent. And so there are all sorts of different signals that are aggregated out there. Bringing them together and then um, cleansing them in such a way that you do tease out these outliers and we are able to assure you that, that we're not including false positives. You know, there's, there's, there's an inordinate amount of time is spent by my team living to my commitment to Catherine that you can't be wrong. And so we take people out. We started, in fact, once we got to the bottom of the pile, we ended up with 279. And as we went through every single one of them, um, I think 30 or so of them in Atlanta, for example, uh, we had to kick out 40 here in, in Phoenix. 
um, because there there wasn't enough uh, cohesion between the signals. And as our algorithms began to um, try to satisfy the, the challenges that it was facing and trying to marry them up, rather than just, ah, that one looks close enough, let's go with it, we kicked it out. Yeah. So that's how we got down to the numbers that we that we got down to. The biggest challenge, Catherine, you want to move to the next one? Well, yes. Oh, you're gonna have to do all these. Um, go ahead. So, so this is a look at what we what we ultimately resolved here in Arizona. And I want to make one other point about how we started in the process, because there's much being said now. Again, going back to Greg's point on accuracy. Uh, but th there's there's this lingering number when we when, when we first started with uh, the presentation of this data to law enforcement it was in in early 2021 and we we really thought that if we provided what we believed to be a predicate for investigation early in the process that law enforcement with the resources that are available to them would be able to refine that data set and do what was necessary to, to move it forward. In no way was our work done, but it is unfortunately where some of the holdovers that you now may read in the press uh, suggest that we only got to 100 feet, within 100 feet of a drop box. And we're gonna talk about that here in a bit. But think about it like a funnel. You start at the top, and you begin to, as you saw the number of devices that we first began to look at, how many went, and, and, and the, the dynamic is, and I'm not sure that we explain this yet, but the dynamic exists between the phones and the drop boxes by way of a, what's called a geofence. And so we put a geofence around the drop boxes, which is like a, a, a digital um, coordinate set, and then we measured how many times an, an individual device went through that fence. Again, remembering that we kept our thresholds very high, and then the proximity of those devices to the drop boxes became tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter over time. And if I could just add that we use that data to exclude, not to include. So if, if let's say the drop box is that podium there, and, and I'm here, and it might take me you know three seconds to walk over there and then walk back, it, even though we can measure inertia and we can measure movement inside of those pings based on how close they are together, um, if, if for some reason there's not a signal while you're in the box, then that person, would, that visit would be excluded. So we don't use it to include, we use it to exclude. And that's key to the establishment of the rest of that equation I, equation I mentioned a moment ago. And that was the difference between accuracy of an individual ping and precision in a set of pings. So precision would refer more to, to how they operate together, how they look together. Some that might be teased out because they don't have the adequate information. Maybe we replace it with another one of the three data sets and we push all this together into a, into a, a, a formula or a, a, a um, calculation that is designed to exclude to ensure that we don't include false positives. But it also helps us in not excluding false negatives. So we don't want to include anyone who shouldn't be, and we do want to include, and we did that for every single visit, for every single one of these. And if it excluded, then it excluded. Then we just didn't count it. Um, one of the 
the the fallacies in, in people evaluating and fact checking the movie um, you know, really centered around a, a couple of videos that were up there of people sh shoving a whole bunch of um, of uh, ballots in. Interestingly, um, only one of those people actually was a mule because they didn't meet the standard of having to get inside ten times and and go to one of the one of the orgs five times. So by by keeping this um, framework around exclusion rather than inclusion, um, it allowed us to develop a a, a far more um, 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 accurate st statistical profile of each mule's uh, of each of the mules overall, but also of each of the individual visits by each of the mules, which which I think here we've got uh, in Maricopa, we had um, just with the 202 mules that we identified two four four thousand two hundred and forty two times. So to get included in that, they had to have met our criteria for inclusion. It's not that they came close. Like, I, I think one of your reporters here said, well, they could just be driving by on the street. Well, no, they can't. That's dumb. Um, <laughs> and in Yuma, I think the number of visits uh, for the uh, 41 devices we identified was 1,435. So I think the... The total of that somehow, you know, comes up to 5,700 visits that met our criteria. But remember, even if that was true, they also had to have gone to the organizations a, 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 a set number four, of times. Four here in, in Arizona. Yeah. So they had to go, go to the orgs a set number of times as well. Another, another uh, key point that, that we want to stress here is that you see that the data set timeline extends by about a week uh, before and after the study period, which was the period when, when early elections started here in Arizona. And the reason that we did that was to determine whether or not the patterns of life were consistent pre-election and post-election. So if you're driving by and it's your normal routine, one of the indicators uh, for us would be that, you know, it, it's, this, is your normal, this is your normal path. Maybe you drive by 21 drop boxes a day. Maybe that's what you do. But in, in I, I think I, I, I want to say this, and we don't have the, I believe this is accurate. Not a single mule fell off of the list based upon that quality control check because the patterns of life were so unique during the election period um, that, that uh, it, it, the data bore out. Um, I think we've addressed this a little bit, uh, but let's go back into it quickly because it seems to be a repeated theme in um, some of the more recent uh, newspaper articles. How accurate is geospatial data? Uh, the, the distance broadly is about a meter standard, which is about 39 inches. But as Greg has already said, you can get down to two centimeters using standard error correction techniques and post-processing. So that is a part of the quality control that goes into all of this. Um, we all have apps on our phones that allow for, you know, uh, Uber to find us, that allow for uh, Grubhub to find our house, that all of these things are, are in this same vein um, of the GPS piece. But when you begin to introduce, as Greg mentioned, other, other data sets, you can get 
incredibly accurate data. Time, typical GPS time transfer is about 30 nanoseconds. So your phone is constantly updating, which means that the timestamps are accurate. And then pattern recognition. Um, there are all kinds of analyses, one broadly referred to as random walk analysis, that concludes it's almost impossible to have a random route that approaches more than three similar locations. This is important because you, you want to test the, the likelihood that it could just be chance that, they're, that these devices continue to go down these routes. So this is a sample pattern of life for one device in Yuma County. From October 7th to November 3rd, this device went to 77 unique drop boxes. And you can see in the lower right where those locations were. What's also interesting about Yuma County in this instance is the orgs themselves. Uh, one of them has been uh, in the news here lately for having a little bit of a dust up with the Attorney General's investigators. Um, but there are others there that are very unique in terms of their um, import and, and um, decisioning to us. Um, actually, up in out, outside of uh, San Luis, up in Yuma, Yuma proper, uh, there's a location where 71 times there were three or more of our mules in that building at the same time. 71. And so you, you learn a lot from the, the development of these, these patterns of life. But I think the most important thing that, that I'd like to say, and, and, and Sheriff Lamb, thank you for, for coming, and, and we look forward to working with you guys on, on correcting this. By far the biggest challenge that we have, by far, is once we get to this point, and you see what you see up on the screen there, and we have that unique device ID, we have all of the stamps on when they went, where they went, what happens? Going back to that Supreme Court case that Catherine mentioned a few moments ago, it's, it's critically important that everyone um, understands what has to happen when we give the data to someone. It's a not so bright line that we face when we go to the attorney general or we go to the FBI or we go to really any law enforcement to know sort of when is enough enough. In this particular case, the Supreme Court helped us clarify that. Um, if we go to them with a name um, or with a, you know, where we think this person lives or whatever, um, it's, it's, likely not actionable by law enforcement according to the United States Supreme Court. What they have to do is they have to take our information from us, open an investigation, go to the court, and ask the court for an administrative subpoena to get T-Mobile or AT&T or whomever to unmask that individual. This is also the reason, if any of you saw the movie, that that we said that the, the, you may recall a discussion that Catherine and I had with Dinesh about whether or not January 6th could have happened the way that it, the way that they claimed that it did. So on a Tuesday, the event happens Tuesday afternoon. By Wednesday, they had already identified who all of the people were. By Thursday, they had already unmasked all, all of them, or I'm sorry, gone to the court, unmasked all of them, and then gone back and to, the, to the grand jury to issue their first arrest warrants by Friday. 
it's, it's just not possible. They were tracking these people. Someone was tracking these people going probably back into October or early November. It's, it, it's simply not possible to go from zero to, to arrests in three days with this information, especially when you're only using Google information. So, so it, it, we, we bring that up because we've been stung a few times, and including today, um, relative to this topic. We can give this information, the broad information, the signals that we have. It's questionable whether we can share even our assumptions about them. Um, for instance, we know, you know, if we've got their pattern of life, we've got all their signals. I can tell you where people work, where they sleep, who they sleep next to. I mean, we have a lot of information about these folks, but it's irrelevant to law enforcement in seeking to exploit this data and use this data for um, uh, for law enforcement purposes. I'm going to skip over on, on something here. It's one of the reasons we are super excited. Catherine and I are working with Sheriff Lamb and, and other sheriffs around the country to help try to create a, a framework upon which we can work together so that when citizens do come up with this information and one of you guys sends us a video or one of y'all sends us some other information, we can go match it up with some of this and then get it to the appropriate uh, sheriff in the appropriate manner at the appropriate time. So we're, we're working on it, but it's, it's an exciting time for us. So speaking of video, um, while we were working through the, the, the development of patterns of life relative to the geospatial data, we were also filing open records requests for surveillance video. And it was on, let me get my date correct here, it was on March 17, 2021, that we first submitted an open records request in Maricopa County for video. Uh, we didn't actually start out doing, uh, uh, looking at Yuma County with the geospatial data until a little bit later. So um, where we stand with Yuma County right now is uh, that there is no video. Uh, unfortunate fact is that all video and all election artifacts in federal elections are to be kept for 22 months. And so uh, that seems to be in violation of what federal standards would, uh, would require. But this is uh, what the Maricopa surveillance video looked like. And, and I want to stress, this is everything we received. One box, yes. and here's what it looks like. As sophisticated as we are in the artificial intelligence that we use for video review, that box is behind that tent. <laughs> and you see where the video is. And here in just a minute, you'll see the person walk back and somebody else walk up. It, we got video for this box in Maricopa <coughs> County. The, the bad news is for those voters, or for if, if one of them happens to be a mule and they have their phone in their pocket, we could still watch them. In places where we have video, um, however, it, it can be a little more of a silver bullet. So if we can advance a case to law enforcement that includes the pings that includes, or the signals, that includes the pattern of life, but also includes some video that helps corroborate it, and then you could show that video matched with it, 
that that is super important. Uh, just as a, a sort of a point of personal privilege, if if I could just urge the members to consider, even if you don't ban drop boxes, ban this. Stop that. It's not okay to let this happen. It's, it's, it's an affront to freedom. It's an affront to every single voter in this room. And if we don't do it, if we don't do anything to stop this, then, you know, I think to an extent, you know, we will have failed in our mission to help educate you guys. Look, you, you know, if I had my way, Look, I say get rid of all the drop boxes, no more mail-in, everybody show up on election day, give everybody a holiday, put it all on paper, and give it to somebody with two poll workers there to accept it, look at it, and move on. But I know that's, I know that's, that's, that's tough, and there's a lot of political decisions, but one that's not tough is this. That's not hard. That's what we have on one box. Imagine what was happening at all the rest of the boxes in Maricopa. We have no idea. You know why? We don't have the video. There are so many more details that we could share, um, patterns of life that show a little interesting bit of trivia that two of the mules in Maricopa County um, went and participated in the Georgia runoff and were mules there in Georgia in January or in December. Um, there are elements of what we learned in, in, in Yuma County that are currently under investigation that based on what we have seen in law enforcement that we have been working with for some time now suggest a a vertical grift is the best word I can can use to describe it that is layers and layers deep not just here in Arizona but across the country a network of organizations that seem to follow a very similar uh, pattern those things are going to be investigated and will come up in due time. But for today's purpose, what can legislators do about what we saw and what we, what we feel like is, is, is being exploited? And, and I want to say, the exploitation targets the most vulnerable communities, and it is voter abuse. So make no mistake, this is not about Republican or Democrat this is about preserving the sanctity of the vote and making sure that it is safe and secure and transparent for every voter. So make good laws and be a model. Number one, we recommend really taking a deep look at the, at the, the accuracy of your voter rolls and committing to clean those rolls. We suggest using real-time technology. There is no reason in the world, private industry, all day every day can resolve identity residency and citizenship in real time that is something that we should aspire to there is no state doing that currently but we as a country are lagging behind the rest of the world in election security and technology this technology exists and we should embrace it so that it is more convenient and more accurate for all voters number two stop the mass mail out of ballots, particularly when you are catalyzing those mail-outs with dirty voter rolls. It's just a recipe for disaster. Number three, stop using the drop boxes or 
secure them with real-time video surveillance. Real-time. Real-time. A little side, a little s sidebar here. You know, we're working in a number of jurisdictions. So one of those jurisdictions is uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin, which is Brown County. And so we, we only, uh, I guess, like just a couple months ago, we added them into our research and we submitted open records requests for the video. And we've you know, all the video, almost almost to a to a fault, has been this push and pull to try to get it. Um, we just on Friday were notified by Brown County that they. They received our check, because you have to pay for it. They received our check, and they will send it to us as soon as they watch it. So a little late, a little late to stop anything. But, um, but this gets to the point, right? If you're going to do this, then, then add real-time video surveillance to make sure that, that the laws are being followed. And the last point, and, and Arizona does a good job of this, but but it is worthy of, of restating. Make the penalty for cheating something that cheaters fear. Listen, most, most people, what we are talking about here and, and what, we are, what we are working to um, address goes to the heart of voter education. It goes to the heart of, of election process. And make no mistake, the vast majority of all voters just want to do the right thing. They don't, they're not, they don't want to be caught up in some web of confusion. But if we keep introducing new variables with unclear laws, you can easily find yourself in a position that you don't want to be in. So there needs to be a balance of education around the process and then a, a level of security that's reasonable that balances private private access and private choice to and then state sovereignty frankly to to security we have to find that balance and we are at a point now where particularly after covid so many laws were passed and i'll be the first one to tell you when 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 those laws were they weren't many of them weren't even passed they just kind of happened and the thought was at that time, because True the Vote was suing a number of states, trying to prevent the unconstitutional changes in your election process. And the thought was, don't worry. Those, those standards that have been introduced just for COVID, they're just for COVID. They'll go, it'll all go back to normal. No, it hasn't. No, it hasn't. And now we are facing a process that has fewer checks and balances than ever. So our hope in this presentation to all of you, and we'd love to entertain any questions that you may have, is, is that the data that we can provide and that we will be working with your attorneys general on and, and other levels of law enforcement will help to clarify, yes, the, the, the criminality uh, around that, 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 it, that has to be investigated. But certainly what you can see is that drop boxes particularly, and we know that that's recently been a bill that, that didn't pass here, um, you got to address that. You got to address that because it's, it's being abused in a way that echoes back all the way back to where we started in Yuma County. Yuma County where where the heartbreaking story was shared of a woman who just doesn't even believe 
that her vote matters, that anybody cares, and we know that you do. In 1994, uh, I was involved in a, a situation in uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, a guy was running for Chief Justice of the Alabama Supreme Court. He happened to be my political mentor and one of my best friend's dad. And we had deeply embroiled in this. It, every single piece of this case that ultimately came down from the United States Supreme Court is relevant to everything that y'all will consider and everything that you think about or maybe could consider thinking about as you as you debate and deliberate over these these next coming set of bills. Judge Hooper went to bed that night thinking he had won by 15,000 votes. The next morning, all of a sudden, a whole bunch more votes showed up. No surprise, I worked in Alabama since I was a kid, and and um, you know, 15,000 votes showing up in Selma, Alabama was you know not a super big surprise to anyone. Uh, it was to Judge Hooper. So he sued, and he sued to prevent them from counting certain votes. And the issue was that these mail-in ballots, or then there were absentee ballots, if you will, um, didn't have dates on them. Some had signatures, some didn't, but the primary concern about these votes was the matter of fact that that the law compelled these ballots or these, these envelopes to be both signed and dated. This is a this is settled law. Judge Hooper believes strongly in the rule of law and decided, I'm just gonna fight this out. And he did. Nine months later, the United States Supreme Court ruled in his favor on two key points. The first one was there's no such thing as substantial compliance. It's a, it's a flawed doctrine that is made up by people who don't want to follow the rules. And the Supreme Court also said, and this is, I think, something for y'all to consider as, as you're um, moving forward, is the Supreme Court said whatever the law is on the day of the election, whatever the law is, that's what prevails. If the law says you have to have signature and date, you got to have signature and date. The rest of them don't count, period. This is, as I said, this is settled law. So I urge you to consider not only that when the other side starts pushing around. You know, I know you've thankfully fixed the consent decree uh, issue. And congratulations to all of you. That was huge. Um, but when I think when I came here in December, I met with a few of you guys were, were in the room, and and um, the consent decrees that the four of them that were out there were a little bit maybe not everybody knew everything about them, but you did the right thing and you stopped that. If if in your laws that are currently on the books, and in anything that you deliberate on, pass and is signed by the governor into law and you're not 100% certain that you want that to be the law on election day, don't pass it. Or if there's something in there that you, eh, you don't, like we're, we're dealing with a situation in another state right now where to be an assistor, you have to sign the envelope. In other words, to take someone else's envelope or ballot to the polls and put it in that drop box, you, you and the voter both have to sign. Yeah. That's the law. But this 
actually there's more than one, but many states, yeah, if it's your family, you can take your spouses, but that's not what the law says. And the Supreme Court made it very clear that whatever the law says is what prevails. And so we urge you to consider that in your deliberations on important matters. Um, but we also, as Catherine said, I mean, there's some, there's some real have tos. You, you, we, we have to fix the surveillance problem of these boxes if you keep them. I, I urge you, based on everything I know, I've probably seen more video of drop boxes than any person on the earth. <laughs> and, and they are a problem. It's not sustainable from a free, fair, and legal election perspective. You have to make that change. I think the operative word that we saw across 2020, um, despite the continued refrain that it was the safest and most secure election ever, in fact, in our opinion, it was quite the opposite. Lawlessness seemed to rule the day. We must commit, all of us, to now being engaged in the process for the betterment of the process, yes, continuing to vote, clearly, but also to help to support your legislators to, to work in community, to reach out to the party or candidate of your choice and ask how you can be involved in elections. Be a part of the solution. We must find our way back. We must find our way back to the sanctity of the vote that unites us as Americans. We can find our way back. We have to find our way back. So we thank you all for your time and we welcome any questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, since the House members are guests of the Senate, we're actually going to defer to the Senate first. Uh, and Sina Kerr, could you uh, please ask your first question? Sure. Thank you. I don't know why these aren't. Is that better? Yes. Thank you so much, Kathy and Greg, for your great presentation. For the incredible amount of work you've done on this. Just a couple of uh, quick qu questions. In the geofencing that you talked about, are you able, when the drop boxes are in a building, are you able to uh, put that fence around those uh, drop boxes that are in a building? Yes, and we can tell you what floor it's on. Okay, very good. Wanted to know that type of uh, technology and precision you know that that is available yes ma'am i just also wanted to mention i was on a legislative trip in denver a member had their truck stolen out of the parking lot where we were and he was able to direct law enforcement to his stolen truck through his uh ear pods or whatever they're called because of the bluetooth uh signal that was emitting and so took him right there he says there's my truck you know and uh it, within a matter of moments, they were able to recover his truck. So, um, just a quick story about uh, how I think precise it's like, that I think data it's like is. magic to the Washington Post. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, really, that was my, those were my my only question and my comment. But thank you again. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Well, thank you. I I, I just really want to thank you for uh, providing some hope. Um, I think this is incredible um, what you've what you've done in in presenting this information and uh, um, the 
the explanation, I think, will go a long way to educating the public. We, that's our biggest challenge. We have lost a lot of hope um, because we haven't been successful in shoring up our laws this session. And we're, I know many of us on this day are extremely uh, frustrated by that fact. Um, and so it's, it's just very encouraging to know what's being done, what needs to be done, and the encouragement that you brought today to help us all share the news on what is possible, what to expect when you are uh, interacting with people that are really wanting to serve in the legislature. And I, I think um, educating one another as voter to voter on what's important to sustain a free society. So I just want to thank you for being here and being a part. Thank you, Shauna, for, uh, for the invitation. Thanks. Well, that was extensive. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. And I remember you uh, during the Barack Obama administration, Catherine, and, and you had been targeted. And you had been uh, harassed and an audit. You, I think you had to go through an audit and all that. And I'm, <laughs> one of the things I'm curious about is, uh, are you receiving more of the same? So that's one of my questions. My second question is, are you able to disclose which nonprofit organizations we're talking about here? So I'll take the second one. Okay. <laughs> Hands up. I'll take the second one first. Okay. Um, and, and Greg referenced this earlier. It's, it's, I mean, should be apparent to everybody in the room. When you have the level of accuracy that we do, you can, you can assess what address you're talking about and what organization is at that address. Um, we would love to put that list out and let the chips fall where they may. But, but there's a but. The but is we also need law enforcement to be able to do their jobs. And we cannot get ahead of that. We just can't. This is too important. And, and we, we, have, we have labored um, to the best of our ability to make every step as correctly as we can. And so while there would be a definite feel-good moment to put that out, um, we have a higher obligation. All of us do. So that's, so that's, to, that's that. To that point, to that point um, I think, and I have been calling for this since November 14th, of uh, 2020, that uh, anybody watching this that is part of that operation, um, become a whistleblower. Become a whistleblower now, um, sooner rather than later. And it sounds like you guys are, are on the trail and you're not letting up. So anybody out there, I think now's the time to come forward. Uh, those who have come forward already, Thank you. Yes. And, uh, you know, and, and let's see more of that. And, okay. and, and I'll, uh, Senator Townsend, we are seeing more of that. We are Good. having more people come forward, and that is a, a great thing. Um, so that, that's reason for great encouragement. Um, to your question about uh, targeting, um, that was a harrowing time uh, in my world. Uh, for two years, 23 different audits or investigations from five government agencies. 
it was a lot. Um, it always begged the question because I uh, just just very quickly to, to, for those of you that may not know the story. Um, before I started True the Vote, there was no uh, I filed taxes and you know that was it. Um, no audits, no investigations. Um, post starting True the Vote is when the onslaught began, and it always made me question: What could we be so close to that the full weight of the federal government? was being turned against our organization. And I mean to tell you, we are moving forward. We have been steeled. I have been steeled by that experience because I want my children and my children's children to be able to vote in a country where the vote matters. So, so where we are right now, I will say, we find ourselves ever closer to um, difficult times. Senator, I, uh, just for everybody in here, it, it's a, a, I'm completely blessed by getting to work with my hero every day. <laughs> Very good. And uh, Very she's good. amazing and a true warrior, an amazing person. Senator, I think you and I actually may have talked either that day or, or uh, a few days before that. If I could just add one, one quick point that we don't have on our list. Uh, really important, you and I talked about it that day, and, and we continue to talk about it today. I think in every one of our states, um, there were commonalities. You've heard me talk about the drop boxes and all the different things, but there was another commonality between them, and that was related to the 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 inability to adequately define a, an identity or adequately, adequately resolve an identity. You remember we were talking about Maricopa at the time, and, and um, you know, I looked at the file, and the first thing I look at is, is date of birth. And here in Arizona, as in Georgia, as in Wisconsin, as in Michigan, as in Pennsylvania, every single state we work in, we looked at, has that as a commonality, only the year of birth. Catherine and I own a healthcare technology company, and one of the things that we do, she mentioned identity, residency, and citizenship. We define those in real time, and we resolve those in real time in our app. When presented with only the, the year of birth, in identity resolution, it's a, it's a statistical model, really, that you're creating, and by eliminating day and month, you introduce an element of risk into the case. It's not that, it's like my, my uh, first name spelled with two G's, or two G's at the end. And the, the risk comes in, what if, what if somebody thought it was me and it was Greg with one G? It probably is, right? But if you go and look at my year of birth, and it only has the year, you can't solve the risk on the other side of the equation. And so solving risk and identity is critical. One of, we've seen it over and over and over again. The courts ruled on it and dismissed these cases over and over and over again. When, when If I was called to the stand and say, can you definitively say that Representative Bullock is who she says she is? Most of the way, but there's an element of risk. And if I don't have her full date of birth, that risk grows this much. 
and it's important for the for the it's important for the integrity of these elections that that the state that researchers and everyone else has the ability to resolve identity and and in this case that that can't be done in Arizona if I may I want to just revert back real quick to your your question about targeting mm -hmm. uh, and whistleblowers coming forward um, I made mention that we've had many whistleblowers come forward um, for all of you in this room and for all of you listening um, we commit that if you come forward as a whistleblower we will protect your identity to our last breath we need to create an environment where people can come forward and talk about what is really going on because I assure you and if those of you that have seen the movie and you may recall the woman in shadows she is from Yuma County and she talks about what, it, what risk there is in coming forward. Now, we have it on uh, good authority that the New York Times is about to uh, write a story that she was an actor. She's not an actor. She's scared to death. And she's already talked to your attorney general, and she's already a part of the case. But the stories are real. And we have to create a safe space for people to be able to come forward. That's a way to solve the problem that we now find ourselves in. So I just want to stress that because um, oftentimes we find that we take this forward, we take the information forward, and so suddenly we become the target. Like today? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, we can take a lot of arrows we will willingly stand up for that but we will protect the people that come forward to us with every fiber of our being thank you let me let me um let me just add one more thing uh greg you mentioned about date of birth and and that issue i just want to use this time to very quickly recognize someone in the audience who's done an amazing job um, crunching numbers and looking at data. The question is, where are they getting these ballots in the first place? If this is happening, where are they getting the ballots? And very curious uh, work that, uh, Chris, if, if you'll stand up. This is Chris Hansel. You may know him. He worked the audit. And, and I don't have a ton of time, Chris, but I'll just say he, he looked at duplicates. And we crunched, or he crunched it down to see that on the last day that people can register to vote, they pile tons of these registrations, and the county recorders have a hard time yes. going and finding the duplicates, but they have the same exact same name, middle name, d year of birth, all of that, same address, and yet uh, the new registration that gets their own voter ID casts a ballot, but the old one didn't. And then after the election, the new person drops off and goes away. So he has done an amazing job looking at that and seeing a source of uh, a problem. One of the fixes to that is funding the recorders so that they have people to go through and process all of those um, duplicates to get them out of there before they even receive a ballot. So thank you, Chris. I just wanted to acknowledge you for doing that. Absolutely. Okay, and then 
Senator Kerr, you had another question. Yes, thank you, Senator Townsend. Just really briefly, Catherine, on your point about law enforcement getting involved and taking that information, uh, doing the investigations, I wanted to thank our Yuma County Sheriff, yes. working with our Yuma County Recorder. They're investigating 16 cases still from the 2020 election. Now a new pattern of fraudulent re voter registration forms for the 2022 election is already emerging. They're on it. They're watching this. They're encouraging the voters to not turn their registration back into an individual, take it, drop it off themselves to the county recorder, register online, but be incredibly vigilant and because they're, it, it's already happening. We have video on our phone from today that's been sent to us by a person that was videoing folks doing exactly just, that. Just exactly that. Uh, Representative Wynn. Um, uh, have you actually given the data to our AG? And if you did so, did they respond to you at all? <laughs> it, it just well, looks uh, like they're... Uh, let me just say uh, what, what really happened. <laughs> what, uh, almost exactly a year ago, a year ago tomorrow, I think, maybe. Um, I had a meeting, I personally had a meeting with three of the Attorney General's people. There seems to be a bit of controversy amongst us that uh, we just received a letter today, in fact, saying that they don't have it because I never gave it to them. So um, we'll work to resolve that. Um, but we've, we've met with them on other occasions. Um, they've worked with Gary and, and some of the folks in, uh, in Yuma County. Mm -hmm. um, to, uh, to, to do this better. I don't want to get into a, you know, a verbal fist fight about whether I gave them the disc or not. I'm pretty sure I did. They're pretty sure I didn't. They'll, they'll get another copy of it. Okay. Uh, Madam Chair, may I? Um, would you do us a favor today by uh, putting together another package and hand it over, have a conversation, uh, make it official, so that we know you're actually, you actually did it, so we don't have the she said, he said kind of deal. We're scheduled to meet with them tomorrow morning. Great, and I would love to get a text back that says you actually handed over because I'll, I'll make my contact. If, with, with one exception, uh, I, I would agree. Um, given that we've had this little problem here, um, we have already given this data to the FBI. We are contacts at the FBI, and they work to obviously work together on handing off data and that kind of thing. Um, we will, um, we're obligated to follow back up on that and be sure that, that they would rather, if they want to give it to the AG, then we're going to allow them to give it to the AG. So if the answer is probably, but if it's not, it will come to them regular way. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for all the work you guys have done on this. And um, being from Yuma County, you know, we've been battling this for decades. You know, we know, we know South County, where Gary and Mr. Lar, you know, uncovered some of the videos in the in the primary. Remind you guys, it's the original video that you, the ladies talking about was in the the primary in 2020, and it was all about corruption in, in San Luis and skewing a city council election. 
and that kind of stuff. So this has been going going that you can't have free and fair elections in the South County for for decades, <clears throat> and it's spreading across the country. And we've seen that we've seen this massive, you know, thing going on. So um, I guess my one, one of the questions I have is trying to figure out. And I, know, I think you said we have to go to the NGOs five times, but you know we do have the the election workers and the election volunteers that are going and collecting those ballots during the time as we cross-check to make sure that the actual employees are not part of the, you know, not, not saying that they're part of the problem as far as ballot stuffing, but they're actually picking up the ballots going to those things daily, you know, so is that, we cross-check those those off the list? Yes, sir. We, when we build the pattern of life, we look at the four or five places that they most frequent because we want to be able to define their workplace or their home or wherever, wherever they are. And uh, so w without unmasking them, it's a little, you know, it's not perfect, but we can come pretty close. I mean, if, if they're heading down to the county office after they do their rounds, then, yeah. then well, we would exclude, that would be an exclusionary. Right. Well, I, I do know the data works because I did have to find my iPhone when it fell out of a plane <laughs> when we were crop dusting and I went and found it right to exactly where it was at. So the data system does work. So I'll wait. I, I don't have any more questions. I have a comment when we finish. I did want to make a comment based on, on your comment, Representative Dunn, um, because it occurred to me when, when you mentioned Gary and David that we have not mentioned uh, Gary and David. Gary Snyder and David Lara from Yuma County have been heroes in moving forward with all of this information. From the, from the first moment that we talked with David, we, we began to go through this journey together. And it's been since October of 2020, but you guys have been fighting it much longer, and, and it is a privilege and an honor to stand shoulder to shoulder with you on this front. Thanks for coming. I gotta tell you, that was some great information. Um, it's some great information. My question. Uh, we have a bill uh, that uh, one of our representatives wrote, and it's sitting over here in the Senate, HB 2289. Would that bill, based on your recommendations, fix some of these problems that we are seeing? I just want to make absolutely sure that's the, the Dropbox bill. Yes. Okay. It, 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 well, it's, there's some, it's one day, one vote. Um, uh, paper ballots. Um, it it it's a, it's a bill that would make our elections more secure. It hits some of the points that you all were referring to today, um, and and I'm sure that that could be added in through an amendment. So, based on your familiarity of the bill, yes, is that a, is that a path forward to protect our elections? Yes, yes, yes. I wanted to make sure I had my numbers straight. We're seeing a lot of numbers these days. But yes, yes, it's, it's a very well-drawn bill, and we think that it would uh, absolutely be a huge, uh, huge advantage to, to the overall process. And Madam Chair, just really quickly, uh, uh, as members, after seeing this, I think we need to move forward with uh, 2289. Yes! So we 
we do know that the election officials colluded with the judiciary in 2020. I remember writing an op-ed that actually got published in the local Arizona Republic saying that I don't want us to move to an all mail-in ballot election. We were not here at the Capitol. We had been shut out. We were told to vote on a baseline budget and go home. And I remember when I served on the House Elections Committee my first two years with now Senator Townsend, we were really focused on these mail-in ballots and trying to figure out ways to make them more secure. We had done a tour with then-recorder Adrian Fontes, who showed us a lot of different things and told us things that just didn't add up at the end of the day. Uh, but under the, guise of uh, under the guise of COVID, obviously, we saw our election procedures changed, whether it's here in Arizona, um, whether it was in Pennsylvania, and the judges allowed them to continue to count the ballots after the fact of the election. As you may know, we've had a lot of election integrity bills that have come from the House. They die in the Senate for some reason. Uh, between the House and Senate, we sponsored over 100 election integrity bills just in Arizona. And I am told that the entire country, there are 300. So we're doing our fair share of trying to push back to make sure that these elections are secure with the information that you provided to us. And some folks in this room know that I have driven by drop boxes in different counties and taken pictures and even done videos at this point. Uh, we had a bill over here that unfortunately died last week. And I am wondering if there is a way for you to pre present to us or hand over some information to us to try to get those two individuals to either uh, vote to ban the drop boxes or make sure that we have real-time video surveillance on all these drop boxes. Obviously, you have, what, millions of hours of video footage that you've been able to obtain from different places. We, are making sure, we want to make sure that we are leaving our mark uh, to approach at least number three. Uh, I, I, I believe that's a real problem. Here in Arizona, we um, had to deal with bad actors who wanted to uh, mail out a ballot, obviously, to every registered voter. As you may know, we had same-day voter registration for a short time, and then they were flooding unsolicited early ballot applications to eligible voters uh, across Arizona. We were under siege during COVID, as you know other states were as well. And, you know, we have election officials, and, um, you know, I've done my share of public record requests as you guys know, we banned Zuckbucks last year. That was one of the best things that we did last year. I could go through all the amount of money that was spent in Arizona. It was about $9 million. Um, you know, Secretary of, State's, Secretary of State's office, she spent about $5 million. Uh, Maricopa County spent $1.9. Pima County spent $1.8. And some of these were funding the drop boxes. And I know because I actually got some county, I actually got some county recorders to fulfill my public record request on my own dime. And I, I believe that's one of the biggest problems that we have out there. And we had these pop-up drive-through uh, voting areas as well in Maricopa County. And they were kind of being funded with the drop boxes. I mean, thankfully in Arizona, we weren't having all night drive-throughs like Houston County was having. Uh, but still, that was an area that I saw that maybe that needed to be at least clamped down just a little bit. So, you know, our election officials, they do carry a heavy responsibility to ensure and trust that our votes are being counted. I want to make sure that this panel today, we work with our other state legislators here uh, in the time being that we're still in session to make sure that we are working on restoring our trust in the election infrastructure, which goes back to these drop boxes and real-time video surveillance or obviously <coughs> banning them. 
because we want to make sure that we have a constitutional republic at the end of the day. I feel like right now we don't have one, and a secure electoral process is absolutely vital to our national security, as Mr. Phillips has alluded to me with everything that he has presented to us today. If you were a sitting legislator, what area would you focus on the most? I would get that bill passed. We're going to now have just a brief few moments for closing comments. And, of course, we're going to start with the Senate and work our way back to the House. Again, I just wanted to reiterate my gratitude for your tremendous years of work that you have done uh, with the election integrity. And this isn't new work to you. You've been doing it for a long time. Thank you so much for your commitment um, to make sure that, that we know what's going on, um, the good and the bad, with our elections. So thank you again. Keep up the great work. It's just been an honor to be here today, and um, you know the, elect the electorate has put a lot of a lot of trust in us, and it's very humbling. It's humbling, yes, to know that uh, they expect us to do our job, and how at risk our elections are right now is very scary. You know, we have to acknowledge the fear of the electorate right now because for years, for decades, decades upon decades, we've had confidence in our elections because we had confidence in the people that counted the ballots, and we no longer have that. So I just want to thank you again. I want to thank everyone here. Thank everyone for who's come out and reported things along the way and made people listen. Because, you know, you're making a difference. You're making a real difference. And we are going to get a handle on this. And the Lord's going to help us as we trust him, as we work. I just want to thank you for, for the opportunity to be here today with my colleagues and for your very difficult work and for taking the, the slings and arrows along the way. God bless you. Um, I want to thank you for being here. It's, it's, it's amazing, especially after watching the 2000 Meals uh, movie, sort of opened my eyes up and sort of confirmed the things that I suspected. Um, the only thing that I like to see coming out of this meeting is people going to jail. Because <laughs> um, until, until people go to jail, I'm afraid this may not change at all. And um, just so you know, I came from 12,000 miles away, where we never had any election integrity. The same guy was the president since I was six years old until the end of the war. And so I, um, I always thought this is, it is the greatest country in the world by far. But, 
but we are devolving to something that I don't recognize. I mean, I came in 75, and this is not the same country that was introduced to me in 75. And so um, that's the reason why I was asking you about the AG situation, because I, I just like to see people cuffed. That's yes, all. Sir. Thank you. Yes, I want to thank True the Vote for doing all the work you've done. I want to thank everybody in this room for being here and everybody that's watching online. Um, you know, we've done a lot. We started the Election Integrity Unit a few years ago. We were able to hit the ground running with that unit, being able to – there will be more prosecutions. There's more, more investigations going on in multiple counties. So, you know, stay tuned, and you can read the Phoenix paper today about the NGO that was publicized today from Yuma. Um, and, you know, I hope we can pass some of these bills that we're talking about. And if we can't, the county recorder is watching. You can do some of these things that's in these bills on the recording on, on your own on the drop boxes. You know, we don't have to open the drop boxes the day we send out ballots. You know, we can take, if, you're gonna, if we're going to use drop boxes, we can wait till when we tell them don't put them in the mail anymore, put them up for, listen, I said if we can't get the bills passed, you can have the drop boxes open for five days and you can put uh, rent-a-cops 24-7 at the drop boxes. You can do things if we can't get the bills passed. Because we, we have we have a way of, of getting there. Guys, come on, come on, please do not interact. Let him so, let him speak. So, um, but, but we have time to get some of these bills passed, and I and I'm, we're committed to doing that if we can. But um, uh, thank you again for being here. Yes, sir. I want to thank you all for being here, and I want to thank uh, the Senate members for allowing the uh, daycare to come over and participate with y'all. Speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> really want to thank Representative Bullock, who has been uh, actually a leader in this and leading the way, uh, not only here down at the House, at the Capitol, but in the state. And I do appreciate your hard work and appreciate you all being here. You know, I spent a lifetime defending our republic um, in the armed forces um, just so uh, Americans could vote. Uh, the first election in Iraq that I was able to observe, I was sitting on my tank and this old man comes walking in front of my tank because we were guarding the election places. And I jumped down off my tank and I said, where are you going? And in his broken English in Iraq, he says, I'm going to vote for the first time. That's a humbling experience when you come from a country that takes it for granted. You know, leadership means getting someone to do something that they wouldn't normally do under normal circumstances. That's leadership. And as members, we have a moral obligation to do the right thing before we get out of session so that we can have the same type of republic and the votes that are counted that should be counted, not only in our state but in our country. A lot of years I was not able to vote because I was overseas. And I said as soon as I retired out of the military that that was going to be the first thing I did. I retired in 2016 and I voted that year. But that vote may have not even counted. So after defending this country, I am going to take up a moral obligation to hold the members, my members and peers accountable for what we do for the rest of the time we're in session to get legislation passed to protect our elections. Thank you. The first thing that I want to mention is uh, I have been praying for your safety. 
that God would watch over you and and protect you because the the country is so Amen. divided right now, and what you're doing is dangerous to some. They don't want you doing that. So uh, I'm glad that we have uh, security for you here today, and you're in good hands. But may God watch over you as you go out and continue to to work on this. So thank you so much for. One of the things that I would love to do is compare the work that uh, Senator Sonny Borelli has done on the chain of custody forms. He requested those um, for the ballot drop boxes and got back some information that was very concerning, that there was forms that weren't filled out, there was no numbers there. I'd like to see if those forms correspond to the dates that you have these mules going from place to place. I want to see if there's any pattern there. Uh, you know, so I would recommend you guys do that uh, if you haven't already. Um, I wasn't going to say anything about that because I was afraid things might disappear, but we already have those forms and you already have your information. So I think it's safe to say that these things are going to start coming together and all the more reason for you whistleblowers to think long and hard about what you're going to be doing <coughs> next. Um, it's time to come forward and save yourselves a, a little bit of grief uh, coming forward sooner rather than later. We have a lot of problems that remain. A lot of problems that remain. Um, we have short numbers here where we can't get some of this stuff passed. Election security bills. I mean, you wouldn't believe what we had to do when I, I wanted the election integrity unit at the AG's office and, and the... <laughs> the political gymnastics we had to do to get that. <clears throat> it shouldn't be this way. It should not be this way. We should have cooperation from our caucus and from the Democrats because we, we've got, uh, where's John Brakey? Where's John Brakey in the room? Is he here? Did he leave? He's a Democrat. He's been working on election integrity uh, for a long time. And there was a time when Democrats seemed to care about election integrity, and I would ask for them to come back to the table, and let's tighten this up. But, you know, we have some blue drop boxes all over the state, mm -hmm. don't we? Positioned right outside uh, post offices mm -hmm. that you could just plop stuff right in there, you know? And I, I, I had a bill to remove mail-in using the post office, and it got nowhere. <laughs> I'm hoping that we have a long, hard look at what we've allowed uh, in the name of convenience um, we have completely decimated the trust in our election system. We need to restore voter confidence, don't we? Yes, we do. We have not much in, in the way of change when it comes to Dominion machines. We have still have the ability for them to share passwords, for them to share login information. The most simple bill, we couldn't get that passed down here just to say you have to have a unique login and a unique password. And that somehow was problematic for one of our senators. And we couldn't get that passed. I asked him, I'm like, all you people up on the board that are in red on this bill, I want you to write down your password and I want you to write down your login and come and leave it on my desk if it's not a big deal. And that didn't happen at all. <laughs> we had a gentleman, and I'm sorry I can't remember his name, came and testified at our committee. If someone remembers it, shout it out. Um, doing the Uokava votes. Remember, Sonny? Where they just take a picture of it, and we had an increase of 90% of Uokava votes, and 90% of those Uokava vote increase were for one candidate, um, you know, to the tune of, I want to say, how many? 
9,600 increase. 1,600 to 9,600 increase. You know, that needs to be changed. We have uh, Dr. Shiva came up with the, the signature issue, right? We still have that unresolved. We've got so many outstanding problems. Most of it uh, we could have fixed. So elections have consequences, don't they? And uh, hopefully we will gain seats here in the, uh, in the legislature so that we can get some of this stuff done. But the sad part is, and if you heard on James T. this morning, the sad news is we got a primary coming up that's going to have basically the same laws as the 2020 election. And that's not acceptable. I have been so pleased to hear of all you vigilantes out there that want to camp out at these drop boxes, right? So do it. Do it. We put the word out today that if you're going to come and be like a mule and, and stuff ballot boxes this time, you're going to get caught. So don't try it. We're going to be out there. We're going to have hidden trail cameras. We're going to have people parked out there watching you, and they're going to follow you to your car and get your license plate. It's going to happen. So don't try it. Don't try it anymore. And finally, we need the political will to prosecute. I'm tired of hearing, well, this is political. We don't want to touch this. I'm tired of it. If you're breaking the law, you need to go to jail. If you are an election official breaking the law, you also need to be held accountable. So I want to see indictments, right? What do we want? Indictments. When do we want them? Now. What do we want? Indictments. When do we want them? Now. We have been chanting that for a couple years now. It hasn't happened yet. Lock them up. I agree with <laughs> Representative Wynn. So thank you guys all. I, I can't tell you what it's like sitting here watching you. And uh, over this time that we've spent together, we almost feel like family at this point. And our family isn't going to put up with this anymore, are we? We're going to take care. Thank you. Well, thank you for everybody that has hung in there. I'm glad the air conditioning finally kicked in as well. Um, <laughs> thank you for taking your time out of your busy, hectic schedule and coming here. And thank the, thankfully also to your, your security guys uh, who have been w quite lovely. We had met with I mean, Mr. It's, Phillips it's, it's back turning in into early political December. Speeches and I'm like, dude, Senator I got to go Townsend had invited a lot of us over to meet with you. And I actually brought my notes with me, even though I was only in that meeting for a short time. And what I tend to do when I'm taking notes in a meeting, I put an asterisk with a circle of things that I need to do. And one thing that I put down was, um, look at the consent decrees and what can we do legislatively? What can we do about ballot harvesting? And we, I actually filed a bunch of election integrity bills, almost two dozen, I believe. Uh, not all of them, unfortunately, got heard. but. Some of them are moving through the process. I think one's still alive. Unfortunately, a lot of them gotten killed. But, um, you know, whenever we talk to individuals who are experts in the field, our ears are open. Yeah, I'm going to play it out, I had I'm about 15 pages guys. worth of potential election fixes after the November 20 election. I had worked with Alex Colladin, who has rejoined us in the back of the room. <laughs> we were looking at affidavits that were filed of things that happened across our state looking at ways to address some of these um, inaccuracies and, and fixes and holes in our gaping election laws. 
And unfortunately, some of the bills are too controversial to be heard in this place. And unfortunately, I had death threats as a, as a result, not to the extent of what you have had, but made sure that I had to put cameras up around my house. I was offered DPS. I said, that's okay. Three of us know how to shoot back. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> in my house. And everybody, do, everybody at this point knows that I'm a strong Second Amendment supporter. Um, but in my opinion, one's vote should not ever be for sale. And protecting these individuals that want to come forward and making sure that we can shine a light and make sure that the process is as transparent as, pro as possible. A lot of my bills that I have filed were just bringing transparency to the process, digitizing ballot images after they had been uh, counted, or the electronically adjudicated ballots that were out there, they were going to be out there too, so anybody could potentially do an audit. It wasn't rocket science, it was just common sense solutions. And you know, when these drop boxes started popping up all over the place, and I got to tell you, I've, I've read some poll. Um, I follow the People's Pundit on Twitter. I'm going to give him a little shout out right, right now because he's been canceled many times. But he sends me a lot of the polling data. And people don't like the drop boxes. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't rate very high, um, you know, all the way across the country. And I've got breakdowns exactly where it is. We also know that the courts did not work with us last time. They were not hearing cases. Obviously, they were um, rigging the laws not in the right direction, in my opinion. But at the end of the day, you know, one good thing that we did do last year, obviously, I'm going to just keep focusing on this. Private funds had never come into elections in the past. So putting a stop to that is one of the biggest things we could potentially do. I highly believe, number one, on your list of what to do, cleaning up the voter rolls is one of the most important things that we can do. In Arizona, on the November 2022 ballot, we have legal ID on all ballots. So other states already have this. Why don't we? Thankfully, the voters are going to decide. It polls really well across all political spectrums. 2020 was rigged. It was financed by billionaires. There's no reason why this money should have ever come into the, any of these states. And I want to make sure, and we want to make sure, that these elections moving forward, especially in Arizona, are as secure as possible. And I welcome any information that you can give to us. I have the individual's name over in the AG's office who I can turn stuff over to to make sure um, if they somehow lose it tomorrow whenever you meet with them, that I'm happy to be back up at this point. So thank you so much for your work. Thank you for putting your lives on the line. It's extremely important. My number one issue has always been school choice. When I got elected in 2018, election integrity moved to the top, and I was very happy to serve on the House Elections Chair with now Senator Townsend. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm on clapping. Did you guys? Did you guys want final comment? Do you guys? Do you guys want another minute? Or are you okay? If I could just add one thing, um, some of you asked me before the hearing uh, this weekend. I made some comments on a podcast. We do indeed have a matter brewing that is. 10 times bigger than mules. Um, it'll be about six weeks before we can clear our way through it, but I assure you it is the most explosive issue that you've ever come in contact with related to elections in the United States. Shout out to Tom Patriot, great interview. Ms. Greg. Um, well, I'll just, I'll just quickly say 
Uh, I know we've been here now quite some time together this afternoon. Thank you all for coming. Uh, thank you for this arrangement. Thank you for the, the discussion. Um, we're not quitting. You guys don't quit. God bless America. Thank you for everybody being here today. Okay, we're adjourned. Thanks, guys. All right, there you go, guys. The election integrity uh, hearing today has uh, wrapped itself up. And um, people looking pretty happy, pretty um, pretty excited about the information there. Uh, we'll, real quickly, um, before I let you guys go, stand by real quick. Let's summarize. All right. Um, Catherine said that she has a burden on my heart. The part that you couldn't hear at the very beginning of the videos she played was about the intimidation tactics, about whether or not um, if you want to work for the Secretary of State's office or you want to work for the school board or you want to run for this office or that office, the the threats from La Raza and the rest of the stuff happening in Arizona, it runs very deep, and that's why there are so many problems with people coming out because the, the threats to life are very real. Uh, I thought that was very important, the beginning of that, that they, you, we couldn't really hear. Um, the, uh, the cell phone tracking and how it's used and a great explanation of it after the garbage fake news, um, pushed out false narratives about the cell phone tracking and how effective it can be and how effective it is and how it's used for law enforcement investigations. Uh, that was very effective. I thought this time I thought last time they kind of missed the mark on that, but this time they really hit the nail on the head about cell phone tracking. That is why Facebook listens to you, sees what you need, sees that you are talking about, thinking about, or having a discussion about, or looking up duct tape. You walk through Home Depot and the freaking advertisement goes off because your phone triggers an advertisement that you need duct tape. That's how deep this stuff goes. And this is why we've been talking about privacy, the Fourth Amendment, for so long. Uh, maybe people will start wake, waking up to that. Uh, they, they discuss the drop boxes and the NGO trafficking ballots. Uh, that was pretty interesting. The, the way that they did that, the key point for me also on that was the pattern of life determining the pattern of life for each individual cell phone user. So you can imagine if you dial those in, you can really get an idea of where these people are going and you can really see a, a pattern of life. I thought that was very effective by Greg as well. And then the biggest thing for me too is the criteria that they used. Uh, and I put this out on a truth in a, in a telegram too. So check this out Four NGOs, the criteria for a mule Four NGOs visited in over 21 drop boxes. What else do you need? I mean, it, what, yeah, this is fake. They're just going to 21 different Dropbox sites and dropping multiple ballots, and there's nothing to fucking see here. The fake news is once again failing at trying to trying to control the narrative. That's very important, too. Remember, this war is very important with regards to the information war. They are not able to control the narrative with regards to the elections anymore. We're moving the needle very deeply on that. Compared to where we were in 2016, compared to where we were in 2018, now we are really moving the needle on election integrity. And then I thought I really appreciated their their approach of recommending solutions. Stop just bitching about problems and start providing solutions. I thought that was really effective for them as well. God bless them for all they've done on that part. I really appreciate that. Thank you all for being here for today for an extended edition of Uncensored Dave. I missed you guys yesterday. Check out Steve Inman. What appears these tourists are getting set for a three-hour tour along this gentleman trying to catch a cozy seat here. And all of a sudden, looks like he's going to get sweet by the leg and booyah right into the depths of hepatitis hell. <laughs> Steve Inman still out there doing some great work. 
Catherine Herridge earlier today putting this out, Sussman trial form posted by Rob Lagar, showing that the, the count one of making a false statement, we the jury unanimously find Michael Sussman not guilty. It was a unanimous verdict and there will be no appeal. There, so that news broke uh, about while this uh, thing was happening. Also, the, the Associated Press put out an article while this was happening. Voting software is vulnerable in some states. This came out from the Associated Press as electronic voting machines from a leading vendor used in at least 16 states have software vulnerabilities that lead them susceptible to hacking. If unaddressed, the nation's leading cybersecurity agency says in an advisory sent to state election officials, CISA sent that out. And now that news is finally breaking this week that, uh, Hey, no freaking shit. (laughs) It's amazing how long it takes for this stuff to get out there. A very important uh, article that we'll cover again tomorrow. And then finally that bill that you heard them talk about HR bill 2289. There is a, um, a uh, you know a petition or whatever. Um, so if you can, if you know anybody in Arizona, spread the word on this front as well. Get this out there to as many people as possible, and make make people aware that this bill has to happen. So if you guys haven't seen that, uh, that link should be in all of the different platforms, and you'll find those out um, on my social media after the show. All right, guys, thank you guys so much for being here today. Uh, we got a few things that we didn't get to today that we'll, we'll definitely get to tomorrow. And I really appreciate all your guys' time. Everyone over there on the Fox lot app. Thank you guys for the love, support, support and prayers. 46, 47 gold pills today. Sean Joe hitting them hard today. Thank you, brother. Daisy chains, popcorn Q and Daisy chains as well. Thank you for all the support. Tech two sixty four average Joe Patriot, Sean Joe, Liberty bells, Tennessee, Tim popcorn Q and blue dragons and classical chicken. Who cares? News. Thank you guys for the support today. The scratch-off has been released. Go ahead and, and uh, hopefully you guys will get uh, some nice wins today for an extended show time today. Um, everyone over there on True Social, or True, why do I keep saying True Social? On Twitter and Rumble and Tiger Network, all you guys out there, all the lurkers, thanks for being here very much today. We'll be back for another edition of Uncensored Day tomorrow, 5 Eastern, 4 Central, where we get all the important stuff brought to you in usually two quick hours, but today, an extended show. And with that, I want to say much love and God bless you all. Thank you for joining me as you do every day. See you guys tomorrow. Live blessed. Treat the word impossible as nothing more than motivation. Relish the opportunity to be an outsider. Embrace that label. Being an outsider is fine. Embrace the label. Because it's the outsiders who change the world and who make a real and lasting difference.